0: To another episode of mtg Rants. i'm and grayson as always i'm joined by ross merriam i think we're both a little groggy or tired or grumpy or
1: all of those adjectives combined from this weekend yeah i, I honestly expected to be worse than i am right now this is tuesday be afternoon so maybe <laughs> it, i just like inherited some of your you know yeah, uh, maybe, of maybe because uh, i i did you know as people know i was in uh, chattanooga this last weekend playing the card monster games event um and uh, I actually booked an extra day. Uh, at first, I was doing it just so I wouldn't run into that situation where, like, I'm going to be late, and then I've got to pay, like, change fees or whatever. Uh, turns out that wouldn't have happened, so I, I could have easily left Saturday night, uh, would have saved a significant amount of money. <laughs> in talking uh, but, English. Um, I also ended up deciding, you know what, like, I'm just going to have a day in Chattanooga and see the, a city that I know nothing about. Um, and ended up... Uh, Spending that afternoon going to the Chattanooga or the Tennessee Aquarium in Chattanooga. Uh, I mean, if, if you don't know, Chattanooga is along the Tennessee River, uh, and so the downtown area of the city is right along that, right along the river. And there's just an aquarium there. Um, so that was that was my my sightseeing tour of of the city. It was pretty. It was pretty sweet. I'm not a huge like zoo aquarium person, um, but there's I really like the way theirs was set up. Uh, so, yeah. like, every it was three separate buildings. And so you got your tickets in this, like, kiosk. And then one building was just the IMAX theater. I saw a very mediocre IMAX movie about the ocean. Um, okay. But the other two buildings, the, the actual aquarium buildings, there's a, the river journey and the ocean journey. Right? So that they divide it that way. But the way they lay out the buildings, you walk in, and... Instead of it just be instead of just like handing you a map and showing you where everything is and letting you like free roam through everything, they just kind of guide you through. So you take an escalator up to the top floor of, of the building each time. It's the first thing you do, and then you just kind of wind your way around each floor, like in a sort of big circle. See everything as you spiral your way down the building. Kind of cool. And then you just end back where you started.
0: I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, like...
1: so it makes it very easy to see everything without having to like plan it everything out. And obviously, like they show it to you in a very curated way. Like the river journey, like they st- they started at the beginning of a- of a river, like and then you know ended at the delta and showed you the different animals that live in, in various rivers. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, and I just kind of like see you know I like the travel aspect of going to tournaments. I know most Magic players are sort of get in, get out. I'm only here to play Magic and do nothing else.
0: (laughs) Hi, I'm most Magic players. Yeah.
1: Um, So I liked taking the extra day. Probably wasn't worth the added expense to my trip, which was already very expensive, given that I went alone uh, and did everything last minute. But the thing I really want to talk about...
0: Can I get a rip for like two seconds?
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you made me
0: think of the fact that like... Uh, you know, I'm going to France in about a, an actual week from today. I leave for France, so either you know we're not going to have an episode that week, or you're probably going to have to replace me for, for a week. But uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, you know, I'm going to France for the for the Flesh and Blood Pro Tour, and you know, a bunch of my friends, like I was supposed to do some stuff with some people. I'm like, hey, I can't go. I got to go out of the country. People are like, you know, hey, what's up? And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to France for like a week or whatever. And like, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You know, was like, you're having so much fun, and I'm just like, I'm literally flying there, going to sleep when I get there, getting up, working flying home and they're like what and i'm like been to france multiple times don't give a shit about anything there anymore you know what I mean? like i've already been there I've seen the eiffel tower been to the louvre had the food met the people i'm good i want to do my job come home you know <laughs> so it's like pretty funny because like there's that point of it too it's like i've been to most of these cities before i've seen all this stuff you know if i want to i will stay an extra day at some places but i'm like the opposite i'm just like get in get out like get done you know, kind of thing. Like I, I've done this; it's going to be nothing but a pain in my butt to go through customs multiple times and all that other stuff. So I'm not looking forward to all that. I'm going to get aggravated. So I gotta, I gotta get myself mentally prepared for that. You know, because it's, because it's the worst. You take like a freaking, you know, you're on, you're on a plane practically for like 12 hours because of like, you know, I have to fly to Texas or I have to fly like somewhere and then fly. Or Atlanta, maybe. Well, I'm going through, I'm going through Dallas because I'm okay. meeting up with a friend. Uh, ah. and he's like, yeah, I'm going through Dallas. I'm like, okay, I'll pick, I'll pick that flight. So I'm going from Dallas. Then to then to France and like well actually we're we're flying into Heathrow we're flying into into uh, London. London actually instead because it's just easier for a lot of reasons that I don't need to go into but like you know with with all the connectors and everything it's annoying and then the flight back that's the most tilting part there's no way for me to get any kind of remote like direct flight so I had to fly back to Texas. And then I just sit there for, like, two and a half hours waiting for my flight home. And then I have to drive home after that. So I'm going to be, like, tilted off the face of the earth. It'll be like, just <laughs> let me get to my house. Let me go to sleep for 13 hours, please. Because <laughs> my jet lag is going to be insane over that week. So. Oh, I bet. Anyway, so your trip, I, speaking of tilted, I know you have <laughs> yeah. <things.
1: laughs> yeah, speaking of tilted, before, before I get into the, the unpleasantness, uh, I'll mm-hmm. also bring up the other uh, huge positive from the trip was that, I had some of the best food I've ever had in my entire Surprisingly life.
0: Surprisingly, so too, right? Like, yes, this, this wasn't something that would be like you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm ready for the food in this city, in you Chattanooga, know? Like,
1: Tennessee." Like, yeah,
0: food capital of the mid east <laughs> central area. <laughs> you know,
1: of the, yeah, it was. I uh, Saturday night after the the modern ten k, I went to a place called the Flying Squirrel.
0: Okay, that's a great name.
1: Yeah, it was a great name. It was a great setup. Their bar was, uh, like, horseshoe-shaped, but one of the long ends of the horseshoe was along the inside. The other one was on a an open-air patio, so I'm, like, sitting kind of outside, and the weather was great all weekend, but I'm sitting along the bar, so that was really cool, and I, I went to this place because their menu had a specific like section of vegetable dishes like that looked good like actual vegetarian dishes instead of just like fake approximations of meat dishes
0: yeah some dish we've made without meat on it yeah yeah
1: like there are so many places I, i go to especially just like the typical like bar food places where the only vegetarian dishes you can get are either a you know, like, veggie sandwich where they just take what their their burger toppings and melt some cheese over them and put it on a bun or in a wrap. Um, and, uh, you know, usually with some, like, hummus or guacamole mixed in. And then a black bean burger is probably the most common where they're just like, yeah, we have a black bean patty. Uh, now, you like, impossible burgers happen a lot, which I enjoy, but like, I don't want to eat them all the time. Um, and then the other thing you often get is, like, a, a vegetable pasta, pasta primavera, right? Uh, and none of, like, very rarely are these things good. They're often edible and fine. And if I have to eat them, like, I will, but I go out of my way to avoid places where those are my options. Um, and this, and especially I like, you know, if a place can make dishes that are vegetable-centric. And that's what this seemed to be. So I sit down. They had they had blistered shishito peppers as an appetizer, which is one of my favorite things in the world. uh, If you've never had them, Um, and so I started with those, and they were great, Uh, but like nothing, you know, out of this world. And uh, I was incredibly hungry at this point uh, for reasons we'll get into. (laughs) And uh, they had two dishes: they had a, a cauliflower dish and a Brussels sprout dish. And I'm like, I think I'm hungry enough that I'm going to end up getting them both. But just in case, I'll start with the cauliflower because it seemed more interesting. I think I actually have a, a... I think I took a picture of it on my phone of the of the the menu, the description. Because there was like a lot of shit. It was like roasted cauliflower with a lot of different like sauces and toppings with it. It was... I think it's the best dish I've had since I went vegetarian. Jesus. Like it, it, that, it, it was that. ridiculous. Okay. Like, but the other thing was... I think it was an entire head of cauliflower. Like, it honestly, like, sat on the plate like that. It looked like just a full head of cauliflower. So, it was gigantic. So, I, I ended up not getting the Brussels sprouts. I had planned to go back, but the place was only open for brunch on Sunday, and I was playing another tournament, and then they were closed Monday. So, couldn't make it back, unfortunately. Um, but this cauliflower, it had, like, toasted hazelnuts and whatever sauces they served with it. It was... It was, like, a little bit crunchy because the cauliflower was perfectly roasted. It was, like, tender but just a little bit of texture still. And then these, like, creamy sauces, a little extra crunch from the hazelnuts. It was savory. It was sweet. It was a little spicy. It literally, it was perfect. It could not have been better. So that was great. The place also had some really good beers. I got tweeted about the nectarine sour I had, but they also had a dunkleweizen that was the best dunkelweizen I've ever had in my life. Um, and their milk stout was really, really good, too. Uh, I had a very good meal there. Uh, and then the next day, I went to a fusion taco place called Bollywood Tacos that made I like fusion in, taco Indian places. tacos in non-tortillas.
0: I, you didn't just see it at home. I think y'all can maybe. it. My <laughs> yeah. head snapped up. <laughs> Tannen
1: was, like, looking down, kind of uninterested in what I was talking oh, about. I was checking my phone. I got a text. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he just parked up. So I I go there. And I got two chili paneer tacos, uh, and they didn't have just Indian tacos; they had a b- bunch of other stuff too. And so I got a uh, a chipotle cauliflower and a uh, what they called fried street corn. They, you know, like how a lot of bars now have mac and cheese bites as an appetizer. Yeah. And they take like bunches mac and cheese bread and fry it. That's what this place basically did, but with uh, Mexican street corn. If you take the corn off the cob, mix it with all the stuff that you would normally put on the street corn, and then just freeze it, and then, you know, fry chunks of it. The Mexican street corn taco was actually the best of the ones I had, and the chili peneer was great. The chipotle cauliflower was good, but it didn't stand up to the others. So I had some awesome tacos. I had good Indian food on Monday. My breakfast Monday, i have been eating my hotel breakfast through the weekend because the tournament started at 10, so I didn't really have time, and... There was this place that claimed ha- that you know looked like a, just a good normal breakfast place. So that was my plan for Monday, but they were just closed on Mondays, uh, as a lot of restaurants are. So I had to find something else, and I found this cafe bakery that like you know is a serious bakery. Uh, and so I had a, a croissant from them, and then I had a their vegetarian quiche of the day, which was um, tomato and goat cheese, and then. Uh, some home fries on the side, which were like split fingerling potatoes that they roasted with garlic and rosemary. That breakfast was awesome. I like, seriously, I, the food I had was ridiculous. Um, it was, it was so good. And there were like other places I, I looked up there like that would be cool to try too. Um, so I'm interested in going to Chattanooga again because the city was cool.
0: Not something I expected to hear after this weekend in the, in the experience that you went yeah, through. Yeah,
1: I'm interested in getting there in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Because let me tell you, I'm never traveling on Greyhound again. I I remember I'd actually told this to myself like five years ago after a bad experience, but it was not nearly as bad as the one I had on Friday trying to get there. Honestly, uh, the, the story actually begins earlier in the week, but I... I thought on Thursday night that I might wait to book my hotel until I was on the bus to see if I could get a great last minute rate. And had I done that, I I likely would not have gone because I would have because I started seeing the delays while I was still in Roanoke and I would have just said, fuck it, I'm not going to go to this tournament and, you know, I'll eat the cost of the of the bus ticket. Right. But I had already booked the hotel. The hotel was non-refundable. And so I just was like, you know, I want to go because I also wanted to jam. But so I I booked this bus ticket on Greyhound because you can't really get to Chattanooga. You can't really go west of Roanoke any other way. You can take the train if you're going east. I did look up flights. They were like $500. So that was not an option. Um, So this starts on Wednesday when I'm initially seeing that this tournament is happening and looking into how, how I'm getting there. And I, you know, go on Greyhound's website and I, you know, set up a search for a round trip from Roanoke to Chattanooga, and it shows a bus that transfers in Knoxville, uh, and it was seventy dollars one way. I was like, okay, that's reasonable. And so I hit—I only had the one option, but it left at like noon my time and got in at nine. And I'm like, that's fine. Um, and so I click the option, and then it, and then it brings you to like you know, select your options for the return route, right? And it just comes up, no routes available. I'm like, that's weird. Because that's like strange. if there's a route going that direction, there should be those same routes coming yeah. back. Like every route that exists can be reversed. And so I'm like, do they just not like is did something happen during the pandemic? Do they have only one way routes? And I'm I'm starting to get confused and I'm thinking maybe I, I I just can't get to this this tournament. And I just look at the uh at the transfer point in Knoxville and I start to think like what if I just look up one ways from Chattanooga to Knoxville and then Knoxville to Roanoke? And when I looked it up, I just, the reverse routes were there, but they only existed as one ways. So I thought, okay, I'll buy three one way tickets, my, my one way there that has the transfer and then two one ways that are effectively the same route, but in two segments. And then I'll talk to customer service and they will just you know, merge it into one ticket. That should be easy, right? Like that—that's just a thing that they should be able to do, because my worry is on the way back. If my first bus is delayed and my second bus isn't, then I'm going to miss that second leg and be stranded in Knoxville and have to buy a new ticket, because they'll tell me, "Oh, we, like this is a separate ticket. Like you, we're not going to just put you on the next bus for free." Um, so I anticipated that, and I didn't want want that to happen. And so I spent an evening trying to call. Or uh, tweet at them. And they eventually told me. That they were unable to do that. With no real explanation as to why. So I'm like okay. Well I guess I'm just going to have to chance it. And that brings us to Friday. Okay. I get up in the morning. I'm all packed already. Uh, you know. I, I make myself a nice breakfast. Uh, and I head down to the bus station. And I get there. You know an hour early or something just because I'm paranoid about those things and I'm sitting there and I just start tracking that my two buses my bus from you know Roanoke to Knoxville and the one from Knoxville to Chattanooga now the the bus my first bus from Roanoke to Knoxville was already 45 minutes late it was was a bus out of Richmond it was it's the Richmond to Dallas route and they didn't leave Richmond until 45 minutes after they should have which seems weird to me. Like, how do you just not leave on time? Uh, But, you know, it's Greyhound, whatever. The problem is my layover in Knoxville is only like 40 minutes. So I'm already pushing up against missing that connection. And going there, if I miss that connection, there's not another bus from Knoxville to Chattanooga until the next day I would miss the tournament if I couldn't find like other alternate transportation. So I'm already worried. So I look at the next bus. That's a route that goes from Detroit to Atlanta. It was supposed to leave Detroit at 6.30 in the morning. Okay? I go on online, go to their bus tracker. It is... We're, we're talking like 11.30 at this point. And it says that the bus is still in Detroit. Uh, five hours yeah. after it was supposed to leave. And I'm like, what the hell? So I immediately... Start, uh, you know, I had already, I already had a log on Twitter DMs with their customer service there, so I immediately start tweeting at them, like, "What is going on? Where is the 11:09 bus? Why hasn't it left Detroit?" Trying to get answers, and um, no, they they take a while to respond to me, and the first thing they do is always just tell me what the bus tracker app says. It just says it like it'll be in Knoxville at like twelve thirty a.m. instead of five hours earlier,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm like, yeah, I understand. It says that that this is now me on the bus. Like my my bus leaves Roanoke at like one instead of twelve twenty when it was supposed to. We're in middle. It's like middle of the afternoon. We're you know making the drive along on the first bus, and I'm sitting there on my phone talking to them via Twitter. And I'm telling them, like your bus tracker, the last time it shows that it's updated is 11:41 a.m. So that's the last time that that, and it's now several hours later, and nothing has changed. Like, why? What is going on? Like, you know, is that bus broken down? Are you sending a new bus? Like, what is happening? All they do is tell me, you know, it'll it's coming at 12:30. I'm like that. I already know that. I can use your bus tracker. <laughs> like, I, I've done that.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm asking I'm, for additional information. Yes,
1: and and you're not being helpful at all. And eventually they tell me to call the Detroit station and they give me a separate number for the Detroit station. Um, And because they will have, you know, more information about it. And I'm like, well, I can't really call while I'm sitting on a bus. But I'll call once I get to Knoxville, if I need to. So we get to Knoxville at about 7 o'clock. We're supposed to get in about 6. It's like an hour late, maybe a little less. But At this point, I get off the phone or get off the bus and I immediately start calling. Well, the Detroit station number that they give me just redirects to their normal customer service line, which is not helpful at all. Every person I talk to, once again, just tells me what the bus tracker app says. And I just keep asking them, like, is the 1109 bus coming? Has it left Detroit? Why hasn't this updated since 1141 a.m.? Why can't you answer any of these questions? Why can't you direct me to anyone who does know the answer to the, any of these questions? Uh, like th- Then I then they tell me to call the Cincinnati station. Because at this point, that's like the most recent stop that it should have left. Uh, based on the timing of the bus tracker app. So they give me a separate number for that. I call that number. It also redirects back to regular customer service. So I get nowhere there. Eventually, I get someone who tells me that the bus is going to be there at 10 o'clock, which would be, like, two hours late. I have no idea how... They said they, they called their dispatch team, and that's what the dispatch team told them. And I'm like, great, finally someone who did something, like, went and and found out the information from someone who was there. So I assume that they, like, radioed the driver. I went, like, great, finally, finally got some help. Oh, by the way, I, I was also told at various points, that uh, when I asked why that I kept getting redirected from the station numbers, I, I got told multiple times that it's because their lines are too busy. So it redirects if they're busy. I also got told that I need to wait 30 minutes to an hour after calling the customer service line to call a different line because I'm in their system still. Which, granted, I I don't have a very strong knowledge of how our phone system works, um, especially in a digital age. But that doesn't make any fucking sense to me.
0: Yeah,
1: that's that's clearly someone blowing smoke up my ass, and also just trying to stop me from continuing to call them. <laughs> so now I'm upset because like they're giving me the like giving me the runaround and just trying to get me to stop calling them without giving me any sort of answers. But I've been told that the bus will be there at 10. N- n- the next problem here. I hadn't. I haven't ridden a Greyhound bus in many years. I actually did some Googling today and found out that beginning in 2019, because of declining profits, Greyhound started stripping down their overhead. So Greyhound had a network of bus stations in various towns that were you know, 60, 70 years old. Greyhound's a 100-year-old company. And... A lot of those bus stations were naturally in like the downtown areas of these cities because that was most convenient, right? Well, with declining uh, you know, sales and declining profits, they thought, why do we need to have these stations anymore? These stations are sitting on some prime real estate that we bought up when it was cheap decades ago and is now very expensive in a lot of these cities. So they've started selling off a lot of these stations and instead they're using different municipal bus stations or in the case of Knoxville, Tennessee, a Marathon gas station as their station. They also, you know, lay off every single person that's working at these stations. So there's not a customer service, there's not any Greyhound employee obviously in this in this gas station. There is a parking lot. There is not a kiosk for anything. There is no seating. We are outside. There is no awning. There is no protection from the elements in any way. Thankfully, it was not raining. And the bathroom at the gas station was out of order. What they did have was two porta potties in the corner of the ga- of the lot. I I did not use them. I was told by someone else who was waiting that they were disgusting. Unsurprisingly. So there's probably fifteen twenty of us in this parking lot of a gas station. No food. No seating. No answers as to when, a, when, if or when a bus is coming. No one knows anything. A bunch of us are calling, trying to get answers. We've been told, we got told four different times as to when the bus was coming. And then we got told 10, 11, 12, and 1230, uh, depending upon who was calling. So clearly no one knows anything. And at this point, I just start, you know, bashing them on Twitter as hard as I possibly can. I'm like, maybe if I get enough traction here, like, someone will respond to me and, that you know, it'll be okay. At, I believe, 9 p.m., uh, the bus tracker finally updated. Uh, this is from 11.40 a.m. So after 9 hours and 19 minutes, we finally got an update via the bus tracker that the our bus was somewhere. And it was going to get in... Uh, at like I think twelve thirty, uh, and then I was gonna get to Chattanooga close to three. Uh, so at least we had an update, and that ended, ended up being accurate. Our bus did get in about twelve thirty. I got into Chattanooga a little before three, but I am I'm mad. like at the at this point, they have spent I, I've they've just spent hours giving me the runaround. They provide absolutely no service at all. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. Well, after flaming them on Twitter for nine hours, I was able to get a response from their, you know, via Twitter DMs that, uh, you know, they're sorry for the inconvenience, blah, 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 blah. uh, You know, standard, you know, customer service speak. But they gave me a case number, okay? And said, like, after the 24 hour, you know, in a day, uh, you know, reach out to us again. Uh, with this case number and we will reach a oh uh, what they they use the term uh proper resolution and that to me seemed like customer service speak for like we're going to compensate right so now i'm starting to be a little optimistic i should not have been that was a mistake yeah it's greyhound you can't be optimistic in a greyhound so i i play the tournament on on saturday and i get back to my hotel like 5 30 six o'clock Um, and I, I first, I think, you know what? I want to be over the phone with someone. I want to talk to someone directly about this, right? So I Google Greyhound customer service, a number comes up, I dial it. And it's the same automated, you know, message system I've heard. There are six options. None of them are, you know, every, for everything else hit this number or for like, you know, Refunds or complaints or anything hit this number. No, nothing even seems close to what I'm doing. It's all like, you know, tracking a bus, finding a bus stop, booking a ticket, uh, and things like that. So I just hit number one and I figure they'll redirect me. So I get a person and I start explaining to them my situation. And the first thing they say when I give them the case number is, Is that your confirmation number? And I'm like, No, that's a case number. I assumed you would know what that meant and like how to escalate this. And I continue talking to him and he eventually tells me that they don't do customer service over the phone. And I tell him, this is your customer service line. What the hell are you talking about? He's like, no, this is this department. I'm like, yeah, I just had to hit a number. But the the phone number I dialed was the customer service line when I Googled Greyhound customer service. That's what it said. And he's like, no, we don't do that over the phone. And now I'm continuing to be mad. I hang up the phone with him. I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to do this via Twitter. So I re I, that's where I initially got the case number anyway. So I just copied the message, sent it back to them with a note that said, like, I'm reaching out per this message. You know, get back to me. They did an hour later. Well, this is actually while I was eating dinner. Uh, and so I've, I've had a few beers while I'm talking to this person. So I'm a little looser than I otherwise would be. And their first response an hour later was you know more phony apologies and saying, uh, but also telling me that my ticket has no refund value. It was non-refundable. Uh, but as a you know gesture of good faith, they are going to offer me a voucher in the amount of my ticket. Now keep in mind, I had to book my entire trip as three one ways, so the voucher is just for the trip down, which was sixty nine ninety nine. Nice i tell them in other words to fuck off with that that because i have no interest that that's essentially giving me zero dollars because i will never ride a greyhound bus ever again and that they have to do better and i explained to them all of the you know things that that you know they put me through and all of the consequences of that were like i i'm they probably cost me 150 dollars in tournament equity i lost my last round because i was just on fumes and i couldn't play and, uh, you know, not to mention I'm like covered in mosquito bites because I spent seven hours outside, uh, which has been incredibly annoying. And then just like, you know, stranding me for six hours and providing no service. That's the main thing. But um, their next response was that, okay, okay, we're going to make this right. We're going to offer you a refund in the amount of $30. <laughs> $30. $30 fucking dollars. I told them to add a zero. And then we'd be okay. They did not respond to that. So my war with Greyhound is ongoing. I'm going to message them again today. I'm going to continue flaming them on Twitter as much as I possibly can. I'm not sure if they're going to end up caring. I'm pretty sure they're just destroying the company based on the selling off of all their land. They also apparently were sold in July, like less than a month ago, to a company in Europe. And their C- their CEO for the last 15 years retired uh, after the sale. He's staying on as like an advisor while they transition and then completely retiring at the end of the year. So like Greyhound is is probably just getting sold off for parts. I'm uh I'll I'll do what I can. Because thirty dollars, like what the fuck? Yeah, this is the only service that sees fit to never update you if things are delayed, like never offer you anything. You know, airports, airplane or airlines, I should say, suck. And they they very rarely offer you proper restitution. At least they'll give you like a ten dollar meal voucher if you're delayed it long enough or like something. But Greyhound offers literally nothing and instead you get to ride in a bus that smells like urine a third of the time uh, you know sit in on the gr- ground of a gas station because there's literally nothing. like they can't even put a bench there and uh, they expect you to just sit there and take it. this is horse shit, and I won't. I have plenty of time to yell at them <laughs> over time for it and over. And over again. And if I don't get anything out of it, so be it. I will. I'm honestly going to enjoy the process of being a pain in their ass. But yeah, that was my trip down. I got in at 3 in the morning. I couldn't even really sleep. I didn't get to sleep till like 5. I'm like laying in my bed in my hotel room at 3 30, and I'm just like my like legs were achy every just everything sucked so that was bad the lesson is literally never ever ever use greyhound i think you'd be better off hitchhiking <laughs> just just might hitchhiking. Be right and i i noticed that like you know every station we passed by was not really a station like in even in Roanoke There used to be, so we used to have a a bus station that was right downtown, um, but it was kind of shitty because it it wasn't open air. It was like the bottom floor of a building. Um, And it's not like that, you know, there were doors to get in because the buses have to drive in. But like it was enclosed enough that the exhaust when the buses would pull in would make the area kind of gross. And so Roanoke actually like earlier this year sold off that land and started building a new open air bus station like three blocks down the road. And it's, it's a lot nicer. They're actually, I, can, I, I can't imagine they're going to be more than six months or so because I can see the progress there. It looks great. But the other side of that regular town bus station used to be the Greyhound and there was an office and there was a person there that you would talk to and, you know, there were chairs and a bathroom. And now Greyhound is just using Roanoke's open air bus station. And I doubt there's going to be any of that put in because like Roanoke's not going to pay for that. So, you know, Greyhound will just leech off of of what Roanoke is doing. The next town over is in our next stopover is in Withville, Virginia, tiny little town. And there used to be this little like tiny building, but there was a person there that you could talk to. There was like six chairs. There were two of those like gambling slot machines you see in in convenience stores. That was the Withville bus station, which I laughed at the first time I went through like five years ago. And now things are even worse than that. Uh, that station also used to be in a in a it used to be next to a twenty four hour McDonald's. So whenever I had to wait there, I would just wait in the McDonald's. Um, and I'll, even you know, obviously Knoxville, a city of almost two hundred thousand, had a gas station parking lot in Chattanooga, another city of almost two hundred thousand. They just used a a municipal bus station, and uh, we couldn't even go inside. We had the there was an awning at least and some chairs, so a, a significant improvement. And, like, everywhere else, it just seemed like they were stopping in, you know, random, like, rest stops and, like, loves and shit like that. So that's basically what Greyhound is at this point. It They've somehow gotten worse. Like, significantly worse. It's it's a it's appalling. I, I can't, like, it should be illegal for them to charge money for the service that they're providing. Because calling it a service is um, a misnomer.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's my rant. That is what the show is named.
1: <laughs> it was a long rant.
0: I might have fallen asleep somewhere in the middle of it. I apologize. My,
1: uh, fortunately, my, my trip home was actually uh, pretty easy. When I when I first lo- I got to the bus station and started went into the bus tracker, and my first bus is now the Atlanta to Detroit, right? Just the reverse of the previous route, and it was 35 minutes after it was supposed to have left Atlanta. The bus tracker hadn't updated. So now I'm I'm worried that we're happening again.
0: Oh no! Yeah. And I
1: start making plans, um, you know, to figure something out. But it ended up only being about an hour late, and I had a two-hour layover instead. So it, I, it was actually better because it meant I waited an hour in Chattanooga where there were chairs instead of an hour in Knoxville where there was no chairs. Yeah. Um, and then the second bus was like we hit traffic for a bit, so we ended up like 20 minutes late. But I was supposed to get in at 5:40, and the bus, uh, the local bus that would just bring me home isn't going to leave till 6.15. So instead they just got in at six. So now uh, the delays ended up not costing me because it was baked into my, my itinerary. But, um, so at least that was fine. Uh, a minor miracle there, but a warning to all of you out there. If you ever think about taking a Greyhound bus, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> should right, do I'll
0: it. make sure not to do that.
1: Don't do uh, it.
0: How did the actual tournament go?
1: Um, that's fine. And I, we
0: play, to everybody at home.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm in cashed both events. Uh, Modern. I played breach, of course. I went. Uh, it was a little awkward. I I won round one against Storm, um, and like made a, a judgment call in game one that got punished, but um, I think it was a fine judgment call. Like I I declined to make a second construct uh, because I wanted to cast Expressive Iteration that turn. It was going to reduce my clock by a turn, but I didn't think the uh, the added clock was going to be enough without some disruption. So I needed to iteration to find like a bolt to kill one of the you know brawler or a, a electromancer or something like that. Uh, ended up not finding it, but he just didn't have that and actually had a slower hand and needed to wait one other turn to go off. So the extra clock didn't didn't would have ended up mattering. Um, so punished for that, but won the match. Then picked up a draw against enchantress in round 2. Um both game and he he won game 2 on turn 5 of extra turns by the way. It's not like we could have played faster <laughs> and ended this match because game two, I almost won the match 101. Um the problem was game 1 I uh, I had a ton of pressure so you had to play early solitary confinement and never really got much going. He was just treading water, while I'm just digging for the combo to kill him, because Thass Oracle doesn't care about Solitary Confinement, and I just couldn't find a Breach. They were all in the bottom 20 cards of my deck, and so it just took me a very long time to find them, and then my opponent made me just go through the entire combo, which took a little extra time. And then Game 2, he was uh, winning early, because I just didn't have the same pressure, so he was able to... uh, Set up, you know, with multiple enchanters presences and just drawing through his deck. And I couldn't find a grinding station that game. So I'm sitting there digging for a grinding station. He's digging for a way to kill me because he has a ton of enchantments on the battlefield. Neither of us is finding it. He eventually finds Rest in Peace and Stony Silence and basically locks me out of the game. And at that point, we're like already under, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes on the clock. And I'm just like, okay, my best chance of winning this game is, is getting a draw. So now I start trying to think, like, I'm not sure how he's trying to kill me, but every time he plays the O2 that makes a bunch of mana, I'm like, that's probably going to kill me. Like, 17 mana next turn, I, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but it's going to be bad. So I keep trying to keep those off the battlefield, and on his, on turn three of extra turns, he plays two of them, and I don't have any more answers. I untap and just, like, attack with my Ragavan or whatever, and he chump blocks with one of them, presumably worried that his win condition is the top card of his deck, and then he would be dead. And it was. So he like he needed the second one to be able to chump block to stop the Ragavan And I ended up digging and finding an Aether Gust after iteration into iteration, but was one mana short of casting it. Uh, and if I had been able to cast the gust, or if I had found any piece of one mana interaction, I would have just won the game. A very like, close game that, you know, I could have easily had you know, turned into a win with just one more piece of disruption, but kinda of lucky to be there. So that was the draw. I got obliterated the next round by, like, Boros Obosh. Uh, It was, like, you know, Raghavan, Solitude, Esper Sentinel, you know, good cards. But my draws, like, I drew seven lands in a row in game one. Technically, four lands in expressive iteration, but the iteration hit three lands. So, seven lands in a row. Um, And none of them are Zosagas, by the way. (laughs) Or Ottawara. There are seven mana-producing lands. Um and then uh, i guess no that was game 2 game 1 he uh, game 1 when he so he reveals obosh and i'm like okay i am th- thinking he's mono red and uh, so i'm worried about Raghavan when he's on the play but my hand i'm oh, no i'm on the play sorry uh, so but i'm still worried like i'm just thinking about what's in the mono red deck and my hand didn't have a one drop but it did have turn two ledger shredder bobble so I think like oh two four he's not going to be able to answer because he's mono red he's probably going to bolt and lavader that's what that deck plays uh, didn't I'd never seen a boros obosh deck he of course had turn one rogaven turn two uh, prismatic ending your ledger shredder get my rogaven in I then have an Urza Saga going so I make a token on his in his combat step thinking like now I dodge second prismatic ending he then had the bolt for that and just ran and. Uh, the next turn, I make another construct and play a Raghavan that I had drawn, and I'm feeling okay because my construct's are 3-3, and now I'm like pretty stable, and he just untaps and uses the tre- extra treasures to hardcast a Fury, kills both my things, and I'm like completely blown out that game. So it's just a matter of like his draw lining up really well against mine in game one, and then uh, me flooding game two. Uh, so now I'm 1-1-1 and not feeling great, but because I'm in the draw bracket, I get paired against nothing but 4 color decks. <laughs> And I just go 2-0, 2-0, 2-0 against three four-colored decks in a row. This is a 100-person event, seven rounds. So I'm thinking X, X-1-1 is probably good. But I have some of the worst breakers I've ever seen. I think it was 42.7. Truly awful. So I had no shot uh, going into the last round. And uh, uh, like I said, my like adrenaline wore out. And I was just dead. And I lost. I actually won game one against... Uh, is it Merc died and just lost the next two games? I think I sideboarded poorly. I capped hands I shouldn't have kept, just did everything bad, uh, and lost that match. So I've 4 2 1 modern for a min cash. And then Pioneer started out great. I went 3 0 6 0. Uh, then lost to uh, Jeskai Fires, like with Transmogrify and stuff and Yorian. Um, he a 5 game one, I you know, steamrolled him. Uh, And then game two, I kept a hand I should not have kept, um, and he crushed me. His hand was great. He had, like, turn two birth, turn three anger, turn four uh, something good, and then had multiple sweepers after that. Like, he cycled a Sweltering Suns in this game. That's how badly I got crushed. (laughs) Uh, And then game three, my opening hand was five lands, one drop Thalia on the play, and one of them is a mutivolt, so I kept – I think it's a fine keep – but didn't draw that well, and he just had, uh, uh, turn one rending volley, turn two like just three cheap removal spells, which usually their deck doesn't have a lot of, but obviously rending volley and being such a good sideboard card now kind of changes that. Still think that's a fine keep, but just didn't pan out. Um, won the next one in the mirror, and then I'm thinking I have a winning in at four one because this was an even smaller seven round event; it was eighty five people, um, but. As it turns out, I would have had to win the next one because my breakers once again sucked, even though I started three zero. Um, But I lost the next one to Rakdos midrange. Um, game three, just mulligan to six, like didn't really, uh, had to keep a hand with no one drop, so I didn't really have a lot of pressure. And pressure is super important in that matchup because you can't really out range them. You have to put them on the back foot a little bit and then play your grindy cards like Wedding Announcement and use your lands well. Uh, so never really just generate, you know, Never really generated pressure. That matchup isn't great. Um, easily won the last matchup against blue white control. So I five two for another min cash because that that one only paid to top sixteen. Um, so kind of just distributed my losses really poorly all weekend. But both decks were fine. Um, you know the mono white deck. It was, it was harder for me to take a lot of a lot away from pioneer because my pairings were also kind of weird. There was surprisingly very little phoenix in the room. And I didn't play against it all day. Didn't play against mono green. I did see some. Um, only played the one matchup against Rakdos. Like, those are the three Tier 1 decks. And I had one match against them combined. I did, however, play against three control decks. And those matchups, I think, are quite good for Mono White. Um, so, some favorable pairings to help me out. Uh, I think I basically won my five good matchups and lost my two bad ones. I, I guess I did beat Mono Red, which isn't a great matchup. But my opponent drew really poorly. Um so kind of wonky pairings. The mono white deck feels pretty good. Um, I think you have a lot of uh, optionality in how the games play out because your uh, because of your lands, like having Chef at Dunes and Castle and all the creature lands, um, and then just generally having like pretty powerful individual cards like Values Lieutenant, Wedding Announcement, Adeline, Brutal Cathar. Like these are just you know, in your individual card quality is very high for a monocolored aggro deck. Uh, which is really nice. Even things like hopeful initiate, you know, both a, a good card, but also gives you some options, for, you know, or, or with the activated ability. Um, so I think the deck is good. My one issue with it is that you just have no control over your draws. So like it's it's just like super important for you to curve out, and like you don't mulligan all that well. You mulligan better than most aggro decks because again your land count's higher and you have all the these mana sinks, but. Like, there were just games where I flooded, and I was like, yeah, I, I just didn't really, you know, get to do much. Uh, I should I should have probably mulliganed a little bit more aggressively it was my one big takeaway uh, of what I should be doing. But I do think the deck is good. Um, my it, it's my issue is, is that it's not great against Rakdos midrange. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, so, a, you know, one of the most popular, if not the most yeah. popular deck in the format. So. <laughs> but you are quite good against Mono Green. Um, you know, you're very good against the control decks if you're in a metagame where people play a lot of control decks. Um, so look, I think it's pretty easy to tell when the deck is going to be good and I'll probably, you know, pick it up again if it is good and I'm playing pioneer, but it's not anything like, you know, super special. Um, so, you know, not a uh, great takeaway. I'll, I'll have more detailed thoughts about the deck and an updated list in, um, our Patreon later this week. Uh, I'll probably write that up tomorrow. So if you're if this is a deck that you're really interested in, like, you know, if you play aggro decks, I think I do think it is the best aggro deck in the format. I think it's better than mono red. I think it's better than mono yeah. blue spirits. I think it's better than bant humans. I don't I don't really understand uh like why you would obliterate your mana because I don't think the individual card quality actually increases that much. Like werewolf pack leader experiment 1 and collecting company and reflector mage, those, those are the cards you gain but like is Reflector Range that much better than Brutal Cathar? Is, like, Collected Company even that much better? Like, Collected Company is pretty good. Um, but, like, Werewolf Pack Leader is solid, but the two drops in the mono-white deck are awesome. Thalia, Thalia's Lieutenant, and Luminarch Aspirant are some of the best cards in the I deck. I think
0: your floor is much higher with the mono-white deck, which I like. Yeah, um, the consistency. Your lands,
1: your lands are so much better. I mean,
0: that more than just your mana base. Like, you have actual lands that do things, which yeah. is really nice. Like... All of the best aggro decks that I've I've played in Pioneer are the ones that were like mostly monocolored and curve out really well, but then also have like Mutavault plus like you know any yeah. of the desert lands or you know the creature lands that come along with that.
1: Yeah, I was I was playing ten utility lands in a yeah. in a twenty two land deck. So it was four Mutavault, three Chef at Dunes, uh, one Castle Ardenvale, one Cave of the Frost Dragon, which I did activate, and 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 a, and a Ganja. So, uh, one notable thing I did differently was I played Thraben Inspector, which I really liked. Um, certainly helped it when I played a lot of grindy matchups, but I also think it's like, I think it's just a a good card. I played more one drops than most lists.
0: Yeah. You like wanted an extra, like one or two one drops from the average list. I played four,
1: I played 14 one drops and I would continue to do that um, moving forward.
0: Yeah. I've got to agree overall with your sentiment on like how you feel the aggro decks in the format are because like. While I'm not a Pioneer expert, I've watched and played... I mean, I've watched a ton of Pioneer, and I've played a little bit of myself. And the mono-red deck to me feels almost unplayable at this point, which is like sad to say, but I just don't think it's good enough anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's it's not really able to play into the like, mid-game with Planeswalkers the way you would like it to be able to play, because its answers aren't very good. Your cards um, aren't
0: good enough anymore. I think. Yeah, the card quality
1: r- really isn't there. Whereas cards like Wedding Announcement and Adeline, like they can take over a game.
0: Adeline is messed up. Yes. Also, like that card is hard to kill in this format. Like they have to dread bore it or like that,
1: everybody has rending volley, which is kind of a problem. But you also yeah, have I mean, things like board, brave yeah. the elements. You have uh, some. You know, if they're tapped out, you can protect it with a bodyguard sometimes. Um, so yeah, you have lots of ways to protect your your key creatures. Uh, which is another thing I liked about the deck. It, that's another way that you like you get a lot more play. Like, I often saved my Thalia until turn three so I could, like, play it and play Dauntless Bodyguard with it and protect it, um, you know, because it, it was important in matchups. And that, just things like that um, that, you know, let you actually outplay your opponents. But What's the name of the one drop in it? It's the one-two with training. Hopeful Initiate.
0: Have you seen the price of that card recently?
1: Did it go way up?
0: Yeah, it used to be, like, literal no money, and now it's, like, 8 to $10 a piece or something. But this was, like, last week when I checked over. Because, you know, this deck is good, and people need it for this deck so and stuff. And the, yeah, they were, set they were
1: all... That was actually car, the one card in the deck I had to borrow, because every store in Roanoke was sold out, and every... Mm-hmm. Ven, no vendor there had any. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's it's also from a set that just did not get opened, yeah. because it's from the, uh, the Innistrad sets. And I don't know if you remember me talking about this, like... I had a high hope for that set but not only was it you know still during the time where there wasn't a ton of in-store play there's not a lot of standard but also they made the double feature uh set from that set and it was i think possibly one of the worst products ever made for magic you know at price point and stuff when they released it and everything i was like this is just this just seems like a flat miss to me and it was out of all the people i've talked to like i'm sure it sold okay at some stores but like you know my lgs and then, like, my friends who all own or run stores or people who, like, you know, make the ordering, they were just like, yeah, this was awful. And the, the problem is, is especially if you're, like, a WGN-accredited store, like, one of the big ones, you have to order a certain amount. Otherwise, like, your allocation for the next sets will be turned down or, like, yeah. lo- you know, lowered. And you don't want to deal with that because coming up after that was, you know, the stuff that was going to sell like crazy. So. I feel like they kind of knew that was. I don't know. Just it, it felt weird. So like, it's a long way of saying that card just doesn't actually exist in paper. So it's like one of those things. It's it's weird. You know, it pops up, and you know, you and I have seen this in the past, where like uncommons or random mythics go from. I mean, what, what is it? Temple Trespass for the the Phoenix deck used to be like a one dollar or two dollar card. Now they're like twenty dollar bills. Yep, and stuff just because it's a it's a mythic from a set that hasn't been out for a long time and hasn't been reprinted and stuff so yeah,
1: and nobody owned them at because it never saw any play so you know people bought them up really quickly more of the supply there was but
0: never get rid of anything
1: yeah i i talked with my uh with my teammates for baltimore this weekend after the the tournament because uh i know dan who is in our pioneer seat has been you know waffling a little bit on what to play
0: let me guess between red black and something
1: and yeah um but uh, you know, I, I I you know told them essentially what I just told you about Mono White, and they just responded with, "Yeah, that just sounds like every Pioneer deck," and that's what I've heard from people that are playing a ton of Pioneer right now. And the it's that situation where kind of every deck sucks because they all have significant weaknesses that can be exploited, and there are just you know some number of games where like, your draw doesn't come together, and it, you know, you can't really do much about it. Um, the the modern decks just have so much more control over their draws that you feel like, you know, even even in games where you lose that you you had a lot more decisions to make. Now, I do th- still think I played a lot of decision-intensive games. I definitely had games that, you know, I just outplayed my opponent significantly and if we had reverse seats, I would have won from either side. Um so th- that's it might be a little bit overstated, but um th- it's definitely you definitely have less control over your draws in mo- in in Pioneer than in Modern. The issue with Modern is that there are so many more powerful threats that will just run away with the game if left unchecked. Things like Rogovan and Omnath um and you know combo decks <laughs> that mm-hmm. that exists. So um you know everybody's the games are a little bit more condensed in that respect. But yeah, I, I just I came away you know pretty pretty medium on, on the mono white deck. I think it's solid I you know like I said I, I do think it's the best aggro deck and I would I don't know if there's like another tier two deck in the format that I would say is better than mono white like I, I think I might put it as the fourth best deck you know after that top tier um, I do think the Rakdos Sacrifice list if you play four fables could be really good I want to try that out so that'll probably be my net my next project in Pioneer um, mm-hmm. and but the like the other tier two the other aggro decks i don't really like the um lotus field i don't really like that much i think there's a reason you don't really see a lot of it um am like really what else yeah i don't like the control deck i don't like so yeah there's not really a lot else pioneer feels uh, at this point kind of stagnant i think we've found the three decks um, and, and Until the,
0: the pros get a hold of it and maybe show us something we didn't see or consider, yeah. I, I don't expect too many. And we've got a new changes. set
1: before the RC, mm-hmm. so like that—that that could definitely change things up. You don't—you don't need a whole lot to to make a major change. Like one one upgrade for a deck one, or for two decks or something like that. Yeah, uh, can really shift the balance of power pretty considerably.
0: Mm-hmm. So speaking of Baltimore, you kind of mentioned it there. Um, that event's coming up this weekend for a lot of people, uh, either to play or. Anxiously waiting to see the results as well to say watch coverage, but sadly there there will be none. If you want to watch coverage this weekend, you can watch me doing coverage of a different game. But anyway, um, I would have loved to participate in Baltimore. However, I will not even be in the country uh, for this weekend. But uh, why do tell us a little bit about the Baltimore event coming up? I know you're playing with a team. Uh, what the formats are, and then we can kind of talk about like you know what we think we should be playing in each one of those events. Yeah, I mean, yeah each so, one of those seats.
1: So Pioneer Modern Legacy. Uh, I'm playing with Dan Jessup and Harlan Fears. My team Pretty is great. strong team. Um, and you're,
0: uh, Harlan's playing Legacy, right? Yes,
1: I'm in the modern okay. seat. I will Good. be playing Jeskai Breach. Kn- I know uh, what Harlan's playing. Yeah. I'm also going to have an, an updated list for that. Not much is going to change. Uh, maybe a couple cards, but the, I think the Cyborg Guide will change. So we'll, we'll update some things for that um, You know, l- later this week as well um, in our Patreon. But... Um, yeah, I, f- I feel good in modern uh, as long as I'm you know well rested, <laughs> and uh, no I think I'll be fine. Unions. Yeah. And the the, the thing I kind of liked about this weekend was like in an individual event when you X two you feel like oh, I was so close to doing something good. If you X two in a team event, like you've done your job. Yeah. Like my goal, the goal for team events is to have everybody to be like X two, and hopefully you didn't distribute your losses really really poorly.
0: <laughs> we were really good at that. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm assuming Harlan's gonna play. Uh, you know, you don't you don't have to say his deck you know, but I'm assuming Harlan's gonna play some kind of blue soup deck, like he normally does, like the blue mid rangey decks, the ones that are like it's like Delver decks without Delver and go a little bit bigger.
1: That is thing. exactly what he is playing. He has sent yep. me his list. Yep. <laughs> yep, dopey blue deck for Harlan. Like and
0: more sorceries than you think you should probably have at the format. Yeah, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> that stuff.
1: Actually, I should say there will be coverage this weekend. Honorog's gonna be doing coverage of Baltimore. Oh,
0: you know what? You know what's funny. I literally just said that I was like, yeah. "Oh, um, there's no coverage this weekend." Blah, blah, blah. I'm actually doing coverage for the Magic event this weekend. I just completely forgot. Yeah, I will be doing one of the. I will be doing multiple of the rounds from this weekend on the Honorah
1: uh, coverage. Honorog sent us a graphic key mocked up with yeah. our, our team and like fun facts for all of us. Like that and it looked great.
0: Yeah, I've been kind of helping work with all that stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, not say help working as I mean like there'd be like 100 messages about it i'd be like i'd, I'd put like the like emote on one of them like yeah that one <laughs>
1: what what like. is this twitch channel again it's like Anz something uh it's like azn
0: uh dos or something.
1: yeah yeah let me look it up real quick
0: yeah we should let um, everybody know yeah yeah it's a-n-z-i-d-m-t-g so it's a-n-z-i-d-m-t-g yeah d mtg yeah, or you can just type in on a rock dos but Yeah, make sure you follow him. He's going to be doing the backpack coverage again this weekend. He's been putting a lot of time, effort, and financial backing into this. And uh, I love the product that he's putting out there. Everyone that's working with him is awesome. And then there's me attached to it as well. Um, So So only one dud in the bunch. Yeah, but you only have to deal with me for like a few rounds and stuff like that. Also... We'll see what kind of shape I'm going to be in this weekend because I might start like really jacking up my sleep schedule here soon. So I'm like a little pre set up for France, you know, because it's a seven yeah. hour I think seven hour difference. If I remember right.
1: and so um, kind of I would guess up. six.
0: It's somewhere between six and eight. It's it's I think I think London might be six and France might be seven. London
1: is five. Okay, I so know that. maybe
0: I'm maybe it's five. Oh or six, oh, oh for you too,
1: though. I'm thinking from Easter. Yes. So I'm London is me. six for you. Yeah yeah. So yeah. So I would guess seven for you. Yeah, but it could 6, be 7, six 8. because you're so close to England when you're in Nice, um, or you're like, not in Nice in Lyon. I mean, in Lille, yeah, or in Lille. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one I met. By,
0: by the way, randomness. Uh, somebody DM'd me from our uh, Discord who randomly lives in Lille, and just you know, they're like, "Hey, do you want recommendations?" I was like, "Yes, please." And they sent me like multiple paragraphs of like where to get the best cheese and where to get the best this, and I was like, "You're the real MVP for this weekend." Oh, shit. So I'm like super excited about that. I, I um, just
1: Googled Lille time zone, and it says it's GMT plus two, which would make it eight hours for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> they make caffeine for a reason, right? <laughs> like, I'll just drink a lot of coffee or something. I actually oh, you know, I actually in... enjoy coffee in other countries a lot. I don't drink it a lot in America, but I'll probably be very, very caffeinated. So if you if you, tune oh, into that no, no, no. coverage. It's because
1: we're, we're in daylight time. So when we're in daylight time, we're GMT minus four on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So it's it's seven for you.
0: Okay, so that's not that bad. But as I say, if you watch coverage of the Fab event, there's a very good chance you're gonna see me. I'm either gonna be a little slower than normal or a little more cracked out than normal. Like I'm gonna be like, you know, wired or I'm gonna be like very tired, one of the two. Hopefully I can find that heavy median, but we'll see. As for this weekend, like we're talking about with Baltimore, yes, there will be some um, coverage. I'm super excited. Tell you what, give me like literally two seconds here. I'm pulling up a, a, a chat. I'm just gonna keep talking so it sounds like I'm not actually doing anything like that. But I have this the tentative schedule. And it is who, Uh hi you, Manny CCR CCR, uh Lee is in there from you know asking the best questions in our our Discord. Nice. Uh, Jonathan Tzukinic is gonna be going on as well. And it sounds like I'm gonna be working with Jonathan Zucchinnik this weekend. Um also, uh, Drake will be involved. There are lots that will be involved. Lots of huge names to be super excited about this weekend. Um, I don't think Reed Duke or Jarvis you are going to be on it, but usually they're involved as well, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, super excited for this weekend. And I like team events a lot because I like the variety of getting to cover a whole bunch of different formats. I don't yeah. know how he's going to work that out because he usually only has two cameras. So maybe he'll just get two different matches and we'll figure it out, kind of thing. I'm not sure. I, I don't have to make that decision. Thankfully, that's not something I have to deal with. But for the three formats, do you have like a, a specific deck that you would recommend? Because like I know what I would play in all three of the formats, and I'm not sure how you feel. Which is funny because like I actually played a good bit of Magic over the last week, like way more than I normally do, and I actually played a ton of um, a ton of Modern in paper. I went. I actually spent the weekend. For about four days in Austin, Texas with some friends of mine. And uh, when I wasn't, you know, like hanging out or playing some poker, we were just... They had every deck in Modern sleeved up, like on a table. And I was just like, yeah, give me one, give me one, let's go. <laughs> you know, we played. And I played some games of four color for the first time, like physically playing it myself. You know, I've I've cast it a bunch of times. I've watched it a bunch of times. And uh, holy God, that deck is annoying on both ends of the, of the table. Like, Fetching is insanely difficult. To yeah. Make sure that you get it right, making sure your mana bases always work. You never run out of gas, so that's great from your side and awful from the other side of the table. And the games just take forever. But I see why people gravitate towards it. And if you're going to play that deck, I recommend A, not playing cold, and B, playing as quickly as possible for the same reason. I, I would
1: recommend practicing shuffling an 80 card deck.
0: That was also very annoying, by the way. Yeah. I'm not used to it. And, like, Thankfully, they didn't double-sleeve, because, like, if they double-sleeved, I would just have been like, I don't don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, I want nothing to do with this, but that was pretty good. Obviously, in Legacy, I'm going to recommend playing Delver, still putting up, you know, absurd results. Um, I would be playing either Delver or a deck that's good against Delver, and I'll be playing some form of Red Elemental Blast main in my deck this weekend, as long as you have a way of getting rid of it. Like, I wouldn't just be playing it in a deck that doesn't have Brainstorm or something like that, you know? doesn't have a way to get rid of the card if you can't use it but yeah um i think that's the best deck overall to be playing in legacy obviously if you're better at something else play something else if you're good against Delver, play that card
1: you know i mean play that deck uh, people and are Py- saying this uh this selesnia Depth deck is good against Delver, and the one guy went yeah. like 7 against it in the nrg y- yeah
0: i mean like it was a good player against a deck like Here's the thing, that strategy has always been good against Delver, especially like when A, you're the one if you if you're the player playing the, the depth deck, you're good at that deck. B, uh Delvers become inbred yet again to try to beat the mirror. And so a lot of their cards main aren't just just aren't relevant. So like you should be able to just have your way with them, game one, very, very much. So like they actually are just usually cold to a 2020. They may have like one brazen borrower or something main. And then now most people don't even have like submerge at their sideboard. You know, they might have one or two. Not to mention the fact that you can just play around submerge pretty easily with the green-white deck as well. There's like multiple ways to play around it. So it's kind of a nightmare. It's not a matchup I ever want. It's like when lands was really, really popular and you and I were playing on the the team event tour. And I like when it got to the point where I started beating the the lands matchup, those turns became very easy for us and you know that will eventually happen that they will find the decklist that makes it to where the matchups are 50-50 and that's all you want in your in your life are your delver players just yeah. don't have a matchup where you're just automatically dead I,
1: I would probably just play delver but make sure to respect the depth stack in my sideboard
0: yeah like, just play like a bunch of brazen Borrowers or something i, yeah. I don't, i'm not sure or a bunch of submerges so, if they're good in a, if they're good in the other matchup but again that card can be played around a little easier so yeah. um yeah lots of stuff like that when it comes to pioneer um i would be personally I think this is a really rough time to play Phoenix. I feel like a lot of people are very, very ready for you, and there's a lot of cards main that are bad for you in a lot of these
1: matchups. I also just don't think your matchups against Rakdos or Monogreen are that good. I agree,
0: and I think those are the two decks that I would highly recommend. Um, You know, I I like Monogreen a lot because of the fact that it's just such a robust, powerful deck that if your opponent is either a not respecting what you're doing or b not interacting with what you're doing you're going to run them over and the other deck that i would highly recommend what i would probably end up playing if i put some more time into it though i watch ginger play this daily almost on twitch yeah is just the red black deck because it's kind of my jam it's just like all the cards are like fine and good you're playing a very like what's what's the 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 farmer meme you know it's not much but it's honest work or whatever it's it's kind of like that right like it's the it's the worst best deck
1: in a format. It is a worker like deck.
0: Does. Yeah, and I kinda like that. I like the fair decks where I like I
1: kinda have yeah. to grind my way through my
0: opponent. This, you know, this it deck's feels the like first you're...
1: one in the clubhouse in the morning, last one to leave at night. Yeah. It, <laughs> May not be it the most like... talented
0: <laughs> but it's the hardest working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels like you're playing like a really, really good cube deck or something, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And uh, I don't know. I just like the deck. I like a lot of the cards in it. And um, I do think that is a deck that, depending on what gets printed in like the next standard set or two, that's the deck that I'm waiting for them to print a card where you're just like, okay, like the red black deck actually just became the best deck. Like yeah. it prints a really good one or two drop, and I don't mean just creature, but like a one, another one or two mana spell that's really good in that deck. Then that deck takes step more because like right now they're like scraping the barrel for the two drops, right? They're not. It's not that they're bad, but they're playing the, the three two vampire thing that makes a blood token, which is fine. Because it's 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 you know a three two for two mana, which is good enough, and it leaves something behind that's relevant in your deck. Plus, it's technically a removal spell. And then two, they're playing what is it? Um, the underdog card, uh, tenacious, yeah, tenacious. Underdog. underdog. Yeah, and that card's just good, right? It's a three two for two. Like we just talked about this, except it has like the blitz ability, which is relevant. So like. You don't care about trading it early in the matchups where you just need to stay alive. And then it's, like, good against, like, the control decks or anything that goes long. Yeah. And, then it puts and you, pressure p- you pitch on it the Fable. Like- yeah, you can pitch it to Fable, which is great. Like, that's that's another thing, too. Is this, this deck it utilizes Fable, the Mirror Breaker, like, obscenely well. And the fact that it has so many good things oh, for you to discard. It has Croxa, Tenacious Underdog, stuff like that.
1: Or, you, like... You also have lots of mana sinks with the treasures that you get off the Goblin Token with your Creature Lands. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you could put Crocs into play really fast with this deck because of, you know, Fable, the Mirror Breaker, and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, I I just think the deck is, like, it's a sum-of-its-parts kind of deck, which I've always liked. You know, you've seen me in the past play, you know, like, these uh, blue-white, blue-white-red flash decks and really like it, where individually the cards are a little underpowered for the format they're being played in compared to, like, the other decks, right? All the cards are either, like, set up for my big, expensive, powerful cards, and then this deck's just, like, I've got a bunch of Bs and B-pluses. And together they just, like, form an A you know, kind of thing. Yeah, And I really, really like those kinds of decks. That is another deck that I, uh, well, I think you can play this one a little less cold, like a little more cold than you could four color. I think you need to understand your matchups a little bit better. But when you're playing a deck that's super fair like this, it's kind of hard to really mess it up because there's only so much you can do. If you get what I'm saying, you're like, well, I I only have one choice to do here this turn. I will play my two drop on curve. And then like, yes, on on turn three, it's like, I will play my fable and the mirror breaker. And then, like, they have a creature, and I have a removal spell, and I'm not going to use my mana this turn. I guess I'll kill their creature kind of thing, you know? So there's not—I'm not trying to say the deck's easy, but I'm saying, like, it's kind of like Jund was in in Modern for a while, or Jund was in Standard, where you're like, well, I don't really have choices, so I'm just going to do what my deck can do. It's kind of like Tron. It's like, I'm just going to do things. And, like, hopefully it works, right? You know, kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know. Like, there's something simplistic about it and beautiful about that. You know, like, choices are overrated. So, yeah, that's what um, I would be doing.
1: Sure. Um, I, I largely agree with you. Um, to me, the the way... If you look at the way Pioneer is going, Phoenix is, is declining a little bit. I think it's solidly third behind Rakdos and Green.
0: There's just, there's just like... Like, I'm not saying it's bad, and I think you're not either. It's still a yeah. fine choice, and it's still a good deck, but, like, it's definitely not what it was, say, like, two months ago.
1: Yeah, I think, the, I think the metagame has caught up to it, and now its clunkiness gets exploited a lot. You know, you have draws where you just draw two or three delve cards early, and, you know, you, you don't get off the ground, or you didn't draw pieces of the puzzle, so... You're not able to get you know to your death spells fast enough, or someone go burns you, or you didn't have a threat early, and they had graveyard hate, so your phoenixes were bad, yeah, or you spent too many of the early turns casting cantrips, and now like you're too far behind because you didn't get two phoenixes off your pieces instead of you only got one phoenix instead of two. Um, there, there's I, I've always had a lot of issues with the way that these phoenix decks are built, um, and uh, uh me, oh, I think they rely a little bit too much on, um, you know, they re- they they've always relied quite a surprising amount on the galvanic iteration temporal trespass, like time stretch turns, mm-hmm. because you fall really far behind and you need those to catch up. And that was fine when you had expressive iteration as a key form of card advantage, and you didn't need to rely on treasure crews and now you kind of need both, and that's why they're a little overloaded. Like Most Agreed. lists have, like, six delve spells, and it w- and you can't really cut any of them because they're all important. Like, maybe... Uh, I I would actually... I, I would try out lists where I had, like, only three Cruises main and board the fourth for, like, when I board down on Trespass and become more of a control deck post-board. I, I think there's some finagling, you know, some, some number massaging that can go on to increase the deck's consistency a little bit, but... I, mm-hmm. I've never been a big fan of it, and you know how much I like the card Arclight like Phoenix. So yeah, um, same. You know, and Treasure Cruise. So the, the fact that I, I'm not a big fan is is a big deal. Um, then... Between the other two, I actually really like the newer lists that are emerging of the Green Devotion deck that splash black. Have you seen these? What do they splash black for? So they play Vraska, Golgari Queen in the main, which is that it the does...
0: six mana one or that's four the mana. four mana one.
1: Okay, four mana. okay. Uh which doesn't seem that great on the surface, but what it does is give the deck a very easy way to set up those combos. Like you know how they have like the chain veil and pestlet cauldron, like all the combos that oh, are set up by sure. the wishboard. Yeah, sure. So okay. they take up a lot of space and require a ton of mana to get going, but once they do, you just win the game. But now with Vraska, you just play one copy of Ugin's Nexus along with your Chain Veil. Do you know what Ugin's Nexus does?
0: Remind me. I can see it, it, it in my mind. It's a five-man
1: artifact yeah. that stops anyone from taking extra turns, which I guess could be relevant against Temporal Trespass, but for the most sure. part is irrelevant.
0: It's not, it's not 100% irrelevant, yeah. but yeah.
1: But if it would ever die, you exile it and take an extra turn. So you sacrifice you it to Vraska, it, yeah. exile it, then Karn can re-bot, re-wish for it, because Karn grabs things in exile, not just okay. your sideboard. So that's your loop. Now, you need to get multiple activations of Karn. That's what the Chain Veil is for. But it's easier to do on lower resources. Mm -hmm. You also get a little bit more interaction, uh, which is important. Because one of the things that I think is propping up Rakdos... um, I I thought Rakdos would kind of recede with all these Mono Green decks coming up. But Mono Green can be a little weak to the Aggro decks, in particular Mono White. I think Green is fine against Red, and that's one of the problems for Red. But it's also really bad against the Spirits decks like mono blue and and Bant Spirits are very good against Green Devotion. And there's a lot... So the the sum total of all these aggro decks between Mono White and Spirits and and these things um, helps suppress Mono Green, but these are also solid matchups for Rakdos. So they prop up Rakdos both by suppressing its main predator and introducing more prey to the ecosystem. Um, And that's one of the things that has made Rakdos, you know, as good as it has been recently. Um, but the other thing that black splash gives you is you just sideboard for fatal push and have an 11 card wish sideboard instead of a 15. And now you have fatal push and Vraska in addition to like your normal plan. And the mana base is pretty easy to work out. Uh, like obviously you do take a little damage off of overgrown tomb, but it's worth it to have those like, you know, turn one, elf, they play a one drop, you go, you know, second ramp spell, Fatal push your one drop, like, you're winning that game. <laughs> yeah, they're
0: done. Yeah, they're dead. yeah they're dead. the game's over.
1: So, uh, I think those lists of mono green are really, really good. Uh, I guess I should say those lists of Devotion, since that's a mm-hmm. Golgari Devotion. That's what I would play. Um, you know, Devotion just wasn't that was not a deck I could put together on short notice for last weekend. Uh, if I decided to go on Wednesday, like I, I, basically had Thursday to pick up a deck, and I own very little of the Pioneer Devotion deck. I think I own Lanor Elves and Elsh Mystics and Forests. Sure, sure. I, I own two Nycthoses, but one of them is If I, was foil.
0: Say, I was say you do have a foil Nycthos, yeah. and sure. and a regular
1: one, you get one for top eighty to, A regular one for top hitting. Oh, okay. So it's I have two Nycthos,es one foil, <laughs> yeah. um, and but the that that's where I would lean. Uh, but if you're more of a, like a mid range player, I think have and have a good build of Rakdos, perfectly serviceable. Um, and then in, in modern, uh, you all obviously know that I really like Breach. However, that's not a deck I would recommend to everyone, especially if you're picking it up without a ton of reps. Um, you know, if you're right now in your team's modern seat and you're completely lost, um, like four colors also not a deck you can really play with a lot of reps. Like maybe. Murktide is your your best option.
0: Um, so, so I actually played like a decent bit of modern. I was over this weekend, and like, well, I think Murktide is a decent choice to play like cold. I will say that like I was very unimpressed with it into four color, and I do think four color is going to be one of yeah. the most popular I, decks. Like, I think I, that, I don't like, think Murktide just, is that good. I just don't think you can keep up. Also, like almost every time that I was playing Murktide, if my opponent somehow resolved. Uh, like three mana fairy, which like isn't the hardest thing to do i just died like i was just dead like i just i just could not keep up especially if i couldn't unholy heat it right away you know what deck really did impress me from all the games that i was playing that like i didn't expect to be impressed from and i was just having trouble with it with every deck was yeah blue white control i yeah ross just made a fa- face i was just super impressed with how relevant like chalice for one was in so many matchups and then the fact that you just have like a counter spell and like an instant speed planeswalker and some removal spells, and it was just good. Like I was just having trouble beating it way more than I thought I would. And yeah, I think four I'm not color saying crushes it. that deck. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, like I'll say this: it was, um I you know, I was going pretty even with four color, but uh, the games in which you lost, it felt really bad. Like you know what I mean? Like you get crushed or whatever and stuff. So I was just, I was just surprised with. I've never really respected that deck too much in modern because it's always felt like, yeah, someone will win with it every now and then, but like, I've never been, I've just never been impressed with it. I never thought that like this was by far a good deck. And I was just a little more impressed with it than normal this weekend with the fortitude of it. And like, obviously, the the, the Wonder Emperor is just one hell of a card. Plus, um, this doesn't, it doesn't necessarily play this card in blue white, but we were trying out one subtlety in the four color deck and it kept coming up and it was actually pretty damn good in a lot of the matchups that we were playing too. So that was a card that I think you're going to start to see getting played a little bit more at some of those spots.
1: We've already started seeing it get played yeah, a little bit more.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, but I think it's one of the ones that's like it's not just a flash in the in the pan. I think that's it. it's like legitimately deserves its slot. Is what I'm saying because like you know I've seen it here or there and I asked about it and they were like yeah we actually are thinking about going up to two like the people that I was talking to that are that are playing a lot you know they have like RCQs that weekend and you know another one coming up and it's mostly modern where they're at so. Um they were like, Yeah, we're we're super impressed with subtlety and like every game that it came up in which it got it got played, it would just be like a time walk pretty much. And it was always back breaking. So I think those are like the best choices and I'm not saying you can't play four color cold, but like you need to have some understanding of what's going on and what you need to be doing. Like you can't you can't be taking time every single time you have priority to think about what you what you need to do. Like you're gonna run out of time in every round if you do that.
1: Oh yeah. Um you know, um it, it it's it's a problem i i said i won three straight matches against some two O. there was under 10 minutes on the clock in all yep. of them yeah lots like of it,
0: shuffling like lots and lots of shuffling lots of i'm going to do three or four things this turn and draw a card but you do actually nothing yeah because like your life total is going to change four times a turn you're going to have to do so many things with Yorion. I mean, when, it's in, when you're doing Yorion, you're going to do so many things with Omnath and it's in play. Especially if you do the whole, like, leave a fetch land and play, play Omnath, play another fetch land, trigger all the triggers. And then you have to, like, okay, so I have all this mana floating. Let me note all that. Let me get through all this mana. Let me draw all these extra cards. Like, those turns take so long. Those are, like, five-minute turns. And, like, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you're going to be doing this multiple times in a round, plus all the other things you have to do, including shuffling and sideboarding. That's another thing, too. Know how you're going to be sideboarding in this deck for all your matches. Like, have it written down. Whatever it is, whatever you need to do to speed it up by one minute. Because that might be the difference
1: in a round for you. Yeah. No, it, it really could. It's. It, I think it's a real problem that that needs addressing in terms of just the it. way modern plays. It's being fetch lands. It's easy. Well, you can't can't do that.
0: I mean, we could. I mean, you're, you're physically allowed sure. to. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. I think they we need I think they need to ban Yorian and Ren and 6. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that was that was like one 6 of the is main... just not a card that should have been printed the way it was. Agreed.
0: I that was like the reason one of the main reasons I I really didn't like the the Blue-Red Murktide deck is like no matter what one drop I was playing, if they just had Ren and 6, I was just like, "Yeah, I mean, like I'm dead." Like and like I couldn't on the draw, I couldn't turn one Aragavan against them. Like, I was just scared to cast it on turn one. I would be like, yeah, I guess I'm dashing this, you yeah. know, because, like, if I cast it and then they run and six me, the game just ends on the spot in most, of the, in most of the time.
1: But, like, there's a lot of games where you need to get out ahead of them, and by not casting a turn one, like, you're just falling behind to everything yep. else. So you're yep, just that, that in that, the, yeah. that squeeze where you have to guess right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I can. I guess I can cast it on turn three if I have Counterspell, in my hand, but th- but then, like, what if they have a Teferi, you know, and, like, they flayed that. Then I have to, like, leave up Counterspell in turn two to stop their Teferi, like, it just, it seems like everything has to go right for you to be in the match, not win it, to be yeah. in the match. And so, yeah. It was, it was
1: very telling to me when that deck stopped playing four copies of Archmage's Charm and started main decking copies of Spell Pierce, And I was like, okay, you actually don't stand a chance in the long game against what's going on nope. in Modern, and you know that. And you've decided that I need to become more of that tempo style deck where I'm getting ahead and staying ahead, and you know the because even with Archmage's Charm and maybe like Snapcaster Mage, I, I like just can't win the long game that way. That's
0: that's another big thing is trade your your Spell Pierce's the moment you can in the four color matchup. Like if you hold on to them, they're going to be very bad. Just oh, trade yeah. it immediately, like. I snapped uh what's what's the one green enchantment? Uh, Abund- Abundant a bundle growth. growth. I just snap spell pierce a bundle of growth. Like, yeah, I would time. do that. Yeah, like literally Easy. every time. Just every, like even if they do on like, you know, turn two or three, like when they didn't have two mana, up, yeah. like on turn three they're like lead on a bundle of growth and be like, all right, spell pierce it. Like I'm just trading this for any card yeah. I can. No,
1: not only yeah. are you likely to take a card away from them later when they Yorian, you're also probably dealing them two extra damage because they probably yeah. have to shock at some point instead of getting a basic, which yeah. also makes their Ice Fan coattles worse. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like it helps you get your stuff into play faster right like it helps you get Merc Tide into play faster but the biggest like one of the other big problems of matchup is like all of my good turns where I'd be like you know consider put something in the yard play a spell fetch like uh like unholy heat your thing now that I have delirium and then with my last two mana make a giant Merc Tide. the thing is you almost ha- always have to make your Merc Tides a seven seven you almost always have to remove four cards from your yard that are in some sorceries because you don't want it to get unholy heated you don't want it, them to trade one mana for it. So that's the problem is like you're, you're putting a lot of resources into it from your graveyard, and then they'll just play it's like the last play of your turn, so you're tapped out, and then they just play a Teferi and bounce your Merc tide And you're just like, what do I do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. And then, and then like, there's gonna be the times where, like, yeah, you make it a 7-7, seven, seven, they don't have Yorion, but like, I mean, they don't have Teferi, but then they just have a Solitude. So, like, it just seems like a nightmare to me. So I'm, I'm not saying you can't play this deck, but I'm saying that, like, I think that deck's overrated for sure. Yeah, it, it seems to be in a not great spot
1: to me. Uh, I just think it, I think breach just does everything Murktide is doing, but better.
0: Yeah, it has a robust way to win the game that yeah. it doesn't get interacted with by Teferi and stuff. So in in
1: the days of Loris, um, like Merktide Regent was a lot harder to kill because there was a ton of uh, like drowns and pushes in the Shadow Deck, um, and that made Murktide, I think a lot better. And that deck also had a bunch of dress downs and engineered explosives, which were good against Saga, because also Saga was more popular with um, Luris around, because the Hammer deck was more popular and better. But in a post Luris world, when things have slowed down, everyone is a lot more prepared to answer Murktide Regent. There's no black decks anywhere, because they're all unplayable. There's a lot fewer dress downs and EEs, because Team of Rhinos has also declined a lot recently, um... And so Urza's Saga, I think, is just a significantly better way to back up your early threats um, and unholy heats than Murktide region. And not to mention that, in addition to Saga, you also have the combo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess the combo is sort of replacing Counterspell and, and Archmage's Charm. Um, so you have less disruption and said you have a combo, you can look at it that way. But, uh, yeah, I would just breach over Murktiding all day, every day. But... Honestly, like that's the only deck to me that feels like it's a little bit easier to just pick up and play, other than like burn, which is you know horribly underpowered. But honestly, like a fine deck because I think it's solid against Murktide, um, and you know, and and against or solid against Murktide and four color, um, but it's uh, just a horrifically underpowered deck. Um, so honestly, my recommendation in modern would be like. You know, find somebody who is a specialist with whatever archetype they're playing. Like, you you can win with Yawgmoth, with Prime Time, with Hammer Time, with, you know, is it Murktide with four color? There's a lot of decks that you can win with in Modern, um, but you need to know what you're doing. You need to be able to play quickly, get through your games. Like, the Modern seat needs to be somebody who is playing by themselves. <laughs> You you don't have the time to dick around talking to your your teammates about what's going on, so just know your deck really well, and have a good list for it. Um, You know, if I'm looking at the results from last weekend, I'm not sure if I'm gonna with this being a team paper event, I'm not gonna place too much stock in online results predicting the metagame, but there was a lot more hammer time in these challenge top 8s. There's also
0: just no 4-color online, so like... Yeah, that's a problem.
1: So, just, you know, just make sure you know what you're what you're yeah. doing.
0: Um, before we move on to the next section, definitely want to give a shout out to our um, sponsor, Barrister and Man. Big fan of all their stuff. It's barristerandman.com, man with two n's. I've actually got an order. I'm uh, showing Ross on the screen right now. I've got an order coming in the mail right now. I've so why? Yeah, I've got two more hand soaps, three more body soaps, another shaving soap, uh, a after shave. Uh, splash is the, I think it's what they're yeah. called, but just an aftershave thing. And one of the things that I've been waiting for to get from them for a while, I'm getting their shaving towel that I haven't gotten for nice. that I haven't gotten yet. So not only is it a, like a monogrammed barrister and man towel, um, it's I haven't had like my own hand towel that I, I'm like okay. Getting you know, I mean, the ones that I have in my house are there for like kind of like show. You know the how you know the towels that people have in their yeah. houses like those aren't actually like towels for people to use. They're like nice and they're like kind of for show. They're for the they're for like the guest room and stuff. Like I have that stuff, but like this is a towel that I'm gonna, like I'm going to use. Like I'm gonna mess this thing up. You know what I mean? And, like <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna, gonna get be sweaty. It's, <laughs> yeah. gonna, you know. it's gonna get utilized. And like this towel looks legit too, by the way, because like I don't want any of these like little small dainty towels. You know, I don't want a, a washcloth. Like. I want a fucking towel you know what i mean and like this is gonna be great so a big big uh big fan of that um the the new scents that i'm getting i'm getting a lot of bay rum as well trying that out quite a bit and then uh the full i've I've had bay rum a couple
1: times before do you you like it that one's really grown on me it it's like a very warm scent there's a lot of like cinnamon it's like a spiced rum scent
0: it's a good time of year to be getting this, one, yeah. by the way. So getting into the the fall
1: season. Yeah, it has. There's a lot of like cinnamon in it. So if that's the kind of thing that that you're into, like it's it's a. Normally, if I, I'm
0: if you're trying to be more attractive to the opposite sex, especially the female version of that during this time of year, if you get a cinnamony like pumpkiny like yeah, it's kind like of warm, smell, it's, it's you'll warm be irresistible. It, this is that time of year that oh, you know, yeah. they're going to be like they're going to get their pumpkin spice latte, then they're going to smell you, and subconsciously they're going to be like, hey, that guy. He smells yeah. good, you know,
1: but, but it doesn't necessarily smell sweet. It's it's yeah, it's a warm spice, and then the rum aspect of it, you know, tempers all of that potential sweetness. It's it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, got so like a oh, god, sorry. I've got some hand soaps, bath soaps. I also have a couple vials of beard oil coming. So yeah, I, that's the one that I don't get to use very much. Yeah. So, so I've I've had a vial of beard oil from them for uh, a long time. I actually, I think it was one of the first things they ever sent me. It's almost gone. Um, like I have, you know, two or three more uses of it. But when they sent it to me, they told me it was a prototype, and it actually like has a just a piece of like m- almost masking tape on it and handwritten It just as beard oil.
0: <laughs> That's kind of funny to me. And
1: after I got it, they told me that that they, uh, you know, weren't that happy with it, and they were going to go back to the drawing board. And so I haven't talked about the beard oil at all. I've been a big fan of it. Actually, the the very first time I wore it, I wore it to go downtown. We were going to go see a play. And we parked, you know, two blocks away from the theater, get out. And I passed someone on the street, just a random person within 10 steps of the car. And he just like sniffs, turns me and was like, dude, you smell good. And I just like within 10 seconds got a compliment on it. So yeah. and this was the one they weren't happy with. They wanted it to be better.
0: And, and you're a dude, so you remember every every compliment you've ever gotten oh, yes. in your life, because there's been like three. Yes, so, like, exactly. Yeah, I remember all of compliments. Them. Yeah.
1: Um. So they're sending me two uh, two bottles that are different scents. So they've got you know uh, some options now. I didn't even realize this. So I'm I'm really excited to try out the new beard oils, but also got some new scents of uh hand and uh bath soap.
0: Yeah, I think when they finally like got it down recently, they uh, they sent me one. When I say recently, is yeah. you know in, in my mind, it all all the boxes blend together. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember when I got what because I've gotten so many. Um, they sent me a beard oil, and I was just like, I called up my best friend Jake, and I was like, Hey, try this stuff out. And he was like, Yeah, it's great. You know, because like he he has you know he keeps more hair on his face than I do, and stuff. So. I'm excited. The stuff for me that I, like, legitimately need restocks of, like, because l- let's be the real, I- I'm a little uh, loaded up on some of this stuff. Like, I cannot get through the the shaving soap as fast as, like, I you know, I would need to for how fast I'm getting them. But I'm trying out the different scents, seeing what I like. I've been gifting a few of these out to friends. Like, hey, try this stuff out. It's from this website. You know, you know, see if you like it and whatever. But the the body soaps, like, I'm not going to be, you know, the weird personal, so be like yeah it makes me look forward to showering like you know what i mean but like when i get in there I like i know i'm going to showering. i yeah you get what i'm saying i'm not like i can't wait to use my barrister and man soap let's, let's not let's not uh make people at home feel dumb you know what i mean yeah. like i'm not i'm not trying to overdo this but I know that I'm going to feel clean, smell clean, and feel better after it. Yeah. Especially like at this time of year, where it's just it's hundred degrees outside every day here. I don't know if you know what's going on in the, the weather down here, but it's just so hot. And like if I go do anything outside, I'm just immediately covered in sweat. Like you walk outside to the to the to the mailbox and back, and you're just like, yep, I need a new pair of clothes. I got to
1: change shirts, something. It's, so it finally cooled down this week. We have highs at like eighty in Roanoke. It's going to be gorgeous.
0: Plus, I've been like working out a good bit recently. You know, I've been back in the gym and stuff lately. So, like, sometimes that means two showers a day if I have to do that, you know, yep. and stuff. So, I'm, I'm getting through my soap pretty fast. So, I'm a big fan of this stuff. If you want to try it out yourself, you can go to their website, it's You can use the code MTGRANTS15. That's M T G R A N T S 15, all in caps for 15% off of your first order for everybody. But remember, everybody, if you've already ordered from their website and you haven't used this code yet, this will be your quote unquote first order with this. So if you're a returning customer but you haven't used the MTG Rants 15 code yet, it will give you 15 off. And if you're in the UK, because I've heard some people talk about this, we've had people ask the question before. The products are available to you. Definitely check out their stuff. Some of your local retailers might even have it as well. Uh, so exciting stuff there. Um, we did have a couple of mailbag questions, Ross. If you're ready for them, I think what I'm going to do for one of them. Hit me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask the question this week because we actually need. I need to go here in a couple of minutes, and this one's gonna take too long. So I'm gonna, think I'm gonna sh- shift it to next week, and I'm gonna let you look at it ahead of time because it's like three paragraphs of a math question, and there's words in there. I don't know. I don't know. So, <laughs> okay. So, so for that kind of reason, yeah, uh, I, I think anyone who who can read our mailbag, if you're part of the Patreon, you can go in there. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, Reven Christ though asked a really good question. What's the worst card you have won with at an REL limited event? I've got a really good one here. If you want me to say one of my answers while while you're thinking. You want uh, sure. to a minute? Yeah. Okay. So I know I bring this one up a lot, but uh, my Grand Prix top eight in limited was in Lorwyn, Like triple lore win, right? And I went into the format pretty cold. Like I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I had never physically touched the format when I went to that Grand Prix, but I'd seen it a little bit, right? And one of my draft decks on day two, um, I thought after pack one that I had the best deck at the table. I was like mono blue after pack one. I think I first picked Cryptic Command, and then I picked like eight straight blue cards after that. The person to my left Were was Were you more fairies
1: new. or merfolk, though? Uh,
0: a little bit of both. Uh, I actually... Because I had multiple Silvergill Guild Dowsers, which I thought was the best common in the set, or one of the best commons in the yeah. set.
1: Like, that card was unbeatable. I think it, it was the best common.
0: Yeah, I had like, I think two of those, like
1: two Aether Snipe. Yeah. For those who who didn't draft lore when like... Instead of colors, your archetype was more defined, really, by your tribe. Your tribe mattered. Tribes and mattered. And that's it, yeah. You, you, they really mattered, and it, because the synergies were so much more powerful than doing anything else, and it, you had so many changelings that could like f- fill out, uh, you know, different creature types and leave you open, so that you, you know you could figure out what was open, um, and move into the right tribe, but. Yeah, there were there were some cards like Several Girl Dowser that were like so fucked up that like you would play that in your fairies deck and just use your changelings to power it to well, only really good instead of absolutely absurd.
0: I think it counted both fairies and merfolk. I
1: remember. think
0: no, I think it was Merfolk and, and something else, wasn't it? Let me let me look this up real quick. So um so you're gonna to have to hear me type sorry everybody at home oh my god my computer is being weird oh wow it is
1: merfolk and or fairies okay that card okay. Was just messed up so god that if, card was so good so
0: for everybody at home it's it's a one one for one of the blue but the ability is that you could tap it to give target creature minus x minus zero until a turn, equal to the number of merfolk and or fairies that you controlled so it just pretty much it was like just a removal spell because you don't know, yeah. use ever if they well, can never block correctly yeah. they can never <laughs> attack correctly as long as this creature's on the field. And if they wanted to use a removal spell on it, it's your two drop that they just killed instead of like your four or five drop. So like you're perfectly okay with that, yeah, kind of thing. Um, so I had like multiple of those. the The point of the story like is is my deck was very good for pack one. Somehow the guy to my left was in blue because he like opened Mirror Regery and took it pick one. And while I was taking the good cards, he was taking like pepperfin Rascals, which is just a random Merfolk card. Yeah, he just married yeah. himself
1: to his first pick.
0: Yes. And so the, the reason this comes up is. I didn't even have a second color. I struggled in pack two to like, figure out what I should be doing. Cause all of a sudden there's just no blue cards in the pack. And I'm just like, wait, what's going on? Kind of well, thing. And, like, and where, you gotta where like should pick I... black or white, and, you know. Or red, you know, it, I, I ended up in red and I did get kind of rewarded. I ended up getting like a third pick Chandra in pack three or something like that, which is like kind of crazy. You know, this is the first set ever of a planeswalkers ever. But the point is, is like, my deck had a couple filler cards in it, right? Yeah. And getting to the card that we're talking about here, I had the card needle drop in my deck so for everybody at home this is an instant for one red it says deal one damage to anything like any target that took damage this turn
1: draw a card so he's like yeah. i was trying to cycle it right for, for those but of like, you that play a lot of popper you're probably familiar with this one it's it's yeah. a four of it popper burn
0: but like the card is actually not good right like you're either i guess you're either dealing like one damage to a player you know you're paying one red mana to draw a card or like what your your creature you attacked into a creature that it couldn't kill. You get what I'm saying? Like, maybe you could attack a 3-3 into a 4-4, and they'll block, and then you can needle drop it. But, like, that's not even that great. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, like... And and a lot of the time, when
1: you do that, your opponents can be like, oh, they have a trick, I'll take three. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? And the reason I bring it up about, like, it's the worst card ever, it's just, like, the only times I ever cast it during this this draft was the only... Like, I cast it during my opponent's... Like, I, I never had a good chance to cast it on my own turn, And then the only times I cast it would be, like, on my opponent's turn, which meant I was targeting either one of my own creatures or my face. Like, my face. And I remember, like, I cast it one turn. I was like, all right, I need your turn. I'll needle drop. And the guy's like, I take one. I'm like, no, no, no. It has to be someone who's taking damage. I'm targeting me. And they give me this look. And I'm like, look, man, don't judge me. (laughs) I just right. want to
1: draw a card because <laughs> like
0: my deck had like five or six rares in it so i was like yeah. i'm just trying to get to them because like you know i told you i first picked cryptic command my first pick up back two was Sower of temptation so i'm just like look i will play bad cards as they draw a card on them to get to my cards that are like unbeatable yeah they no, that's play. smart yeah and stuff so uh, you know i ended up winning enough to get into the top eight and stuff but that was one of the worst cards that i've ever played in deck that i had to like go through hoops to make
1: good um so i have two answers to this question they are also both from grand prix that i toped um hey man you got yeah. what you got to do uh, so the the first one is from the second draft in uh, at gp cleveland which was Khan's Fate forged limited and my i ended up drafting a gruel beatdown deck um, which was uncommon to do in that format mostly mostly you were three colors sometimes 4 or 5 even um, but you could if you had a good curve and good removal you could play beatdown decks and like punish people for playing all their tap lands and that's what my deck was doing i had like an incredible array of removal spells i remember arc lightning you know heading it off i also had some good pump spells like my my spells were amazing but the packs ended up drying up a little bit and i was clawing for playables at the end and for curve considerations and to fill out my, you know, get my creature count up, I had to play an off color morph that I just couldn't unmorph. So I just had two, two a three minute 2 2. Great ogre for the win. Let's yeah. go. Um, I ended up 2 one that draft to, to secure my spot in the top eight. So, you know, it, it went well enough. Um, it's
0: like. You put a card in your deck and you're like, please don't draw this. Please, yeah, don't, yeah, draw just, this. please don't draw it's this. never yeah. come up. Just be at the bottom of my deck every time. Yeah, yeah, please. It's just your opening game at every game. You're like, son of a bitch. And then my,
1: my other answer is, is a little cheating. This is GP Dallas, which was Origins Limited, first draft. So I was at 8-1. And I ended up drafting the Fairy Miscreant deck. So I played Fairy Miscreant, which is a blue for a 1-1. That it when you when it enters the battlefield, if you control another card named Fairy Miscreant, you draw a card. So the first one, and then they fly. So the first one is just Flying Man, and then everyone after that is a Flying Man that cantrips, right? This was normally not a playable card,
0: but... It's one of my favorite decks, by the way. Yeah, the way.
1: but there was a specific archetype where you would draft things to, like, pump your team, like Warhorn, the 3 mana artifact that gave your attacking creatures plus one, plus zero, and, you know, equipment and then cheap tempo plays, you know, all you, you would draft all like the good blue and red removal first and then wheel all the fairy miscreants.
0: You would hope so. Yeah. yeah,
1: that was that's the goal. And I managed to get the deck to work. My deck had five copies of fairy miscreant and Ari Lax that's hate really drafted good. a sixth from me in pack one.
0: That's really good. Yeah. He like
1: just took one that was definitely going to get to me. He took it like 10th. Like it wasn't even 13th or something.
0: That's an that's an Ari thing to do. By yeah. The way.
1: Yeah, Ari. Seems I could really have had smart. six, but I I drafted five. I'd never drafted this archetype before, but I decided to go for it. I was eight one after after sealed. My seal deck was awesome, and uh, and I like lay out the deck and I'm like, yeah, I think this deck is, is pretty good. And I played against Calcano in round one of the draft, and he had he was like a Demir deck, I think, and he had one of the cheap black sweepers, like Drown and Sorrow, I think, might have been in that set or what one of those kind of infest effects like in- infest plus marginal value kind of cards. And I'm like, ooh, that's going to be really good against me. But he just didn't draw it in the one cyber game we played. I 2 owed him. And then my round two opponent is an Esper somehow, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. But he had a main deck. Um, there was some five-mana rare artifact that prevents a damage from all sources to you. Maybe creatures. I, I can't remember exactly. But it, ba- it basically turned Fairy Miscreen into nothing. Right. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, my opponent has this unplayable rare in their like weird control deck, but I managed to just like find a Warhorn, like just, you know, counteract it with Warhorn and and attack him. Um, and then I go to the the finals of the draft and I know I'd seen my opponent's deck. I'd been scouting and my opponent was a good Gruel deck with multiple copies of Chandra's Outrage. Two of them, which is four and a red instant, four damage to a player and one to every creature they control. Hit two of them in his main. And I'm just like, ugh, this is going to be a tough match. I win the die that roll. That was
0: actually really good in that format, yeah. Yeah, it was a good
1: card. Um, And I win the die roll. So I'm on the play game one. I kill him on my turn five. And he had the outrage and fifth land in hand, like, ready to go. But I just, like, curved out and, and killed him. And then game two, going to be harder to do that on the draw. But I put him to eight. And my battlefield was two fairy miscreants. But they were each equipped with a veteran sidearm which is a two-mana equipment. They gave plus one plus one and had equip one. We actually, our testing team thought the card was a solid playable because this is the format that had Renown as one of the key mechanics where mm-hmm. when you connect with the creature, it would get a counter on it and sometimes it would get an added ability. And some of the best commons, like the, the white two-drop that uh, Topin Freeblade, uh, like that was one of the best commons in, in the set. Um, and uh, like I pretty easily, you know, like early, not easily, but early on in the, our testing, I surmised like They designed the set with renown as a key mechanic. They wouldn't do that if adding plus one plus one didn't make a huge difference in how well the creature played, right? So, like, sizing had to be, uh, you know, designed in a specific way where every increment was a huge deal. You know how like they normally in any limited format, there are certain size levels that are important. Yes, it usually yeah. has to do with matching up against removal. Uh, like like nesting Asp. One of the reasons it was so good in Theros was because it was just so hard to kill because that fifth toughness meant it didn't die to Lash of the Whip, and I think there was a red removal spell that dealt four two maybe. Uh, there maybe not a
0: minus four minus four card. That that was really
1: that's yeah. Lash of the Whip. It was five and instant that gave minus four minus four, but it was yeah. also just like bigger than most of the uh, like creatures, like significantly. um at common so it just like played really well based just based on sizing Um and so I, I just was like yeah I, I think that's right and then we start all started like drafting veteran sidearms and like it was just really good because it, the having equip one meant that you could very easily in the mid game you know use your extra mana to make sure that you, one of your creatures that normally couldn't attack could profitably attack and then move it back over to a blocker to make their attacks bad you just had so much more control over combat and that control over combat was so important I remember like everybody, every other team kind of laughed at us with like talking about veteran sidearm because they thought it was like, you know, a filler card that you would take 13th and maybe play as your, you know, last or second last card. Yeah, I, I
0: was not a fan of the card. Yeah. We
1: just kept, I just kept martyrating people with it. I literally played it in every single deck. I had one to two copies in every premier draft I did in that format. And I was 2 or 1 or better in every single one of them.
0: It's, it's funny that you say the story because, um, with the deck that we were talking about earlier, the one that had Needle Drop in it, yeah, uh, my win and in for top eight was against Adam Chambers, and for this is a name people old might school not know. limited
1: ringer from New York.
0: At the time, he might have been one of the best players in the world in limited, like, yeah. and I had no idea who he was. I remember when I won that match, like, multiple people after me, were like, "Oh my god, you beat Adam Chambers! Like, congratulations!" And I was just like, "Wait, like, what?" And, you know, like, like BDM did our match. He told me afterwards, he's like, "Yeah, he might be like the best limited player in the world right now, or one of the best." But <laughs> excuse me. I win game one against him. I can't remember his exact color combination, but he didn't have black in his deck. He had like two colors, right? And so he asks the judge, he's like, "Hey, can you get me like three or four of these?" And he like points something. I'm like, "Oh, he's changing colors in his deck. Like he's getting lands, right?" And so in game two, you know, I play like a silver girdleser and like another one, and I think I had like some more fairies in my deck that were like I think there was like a two-one flyer that did something when it came into play, like maybe pestermite or something. You know, like just some stuff like that, right? And he like pepper smokes me. Remember the card pepper smoke? Oh yeah. It's, like one black, uh, minus one, minus one target creature, and then if you control a fairy, draw a card or whatever. Yep. Right? So he pepper smokes me and, like, draws a card. And I'm like, well, that's really bad. And then, like, I play another creature, and he, like, pepper smokes that one. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> this guy's got, like, a ton of pepper smokes in his sideboard or something, right? So I just get blown out by, like, multiple pepper smokes. So in game three, I boarded in. I think the card's called, like, rune stalactite or something. It's some random-ass equipment that just gives something plus one, plus one. You know, and, like, I boarded that in just to make sure that my one once could survive, and it was actually extremely relevant. Because afterwards, he, like, showed me, I think he had, like, four Pepper Smokes or something like that, and, like, had brought in all four of them against me or something like that. I was just like, dear Lord, I could have easily died, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to take this one step further say one more story before we get out of here because I do really do need to go. And this is a joke of um, uh, what's the worst limited card you've ever played? I played this in Constructed. And did really well with it. I played it in open once back when I was playing, uh, what's one of my favorite, if not my favorite deck of all time, the the blue white flash decks, right? You know, Snapcaster, Restoration Angel, Sphinx's Revelation, all you know, all the cards together, right? Yeah. At the time, there was this Naya deck that was like pretty good against you. It had like Cavern of Souls, you know, with um, which what was which the dragons that one? The the high five was Thunderball Hellkite. Double, yeah, Thundermall Hellkite, the one that did one damage to everything, which is good. Um. You know, and a bunch of really good threats like that, like, you know, I think it had Thragtusk and some other stuff. I can't remember, but it was just really good against you because, like, its creatures were so damn good. The problem was, is, like, you didn't have a single card in your deck as the blue-white deck that, or the blue-white-red deck that could kill, uh, was it Hellrider? Is that the name of the card? It was Hellrider. Two
1: red-red, three-three haste when you attack yeah, the creature, it goes one to the opponent.
0: Yeah, you couldn't deal, you couldn't have one card that dealt with that plus, like, a dragon. You know, there's no card that killed both. Yeah. For a while, I was trying to, like, burning oil, but, like, to kill the dragon, I have to burning oil and flash it black- back, and, like, none of this worked and stuff. And so eventually, through testing and figuring out the matchup, I ended up playing one Rebuke in my sideboard. Now, Rebuke is a card that's, like, not even that good. In, um, in limited um in limit. Like a
1: filler common and limited.
0: Yeah, let me make sure I get the exact text on this right because I don't want to make it better than it actually is. It's so two and a white instant
1: destroy target attacking creature. I don't it's think it's two
0: it and a white. It's only attacking, right? That's what I'm trying to I say. I think it's only attacking. It's only attacking. So it's yeah, it's two and a white It's an instant It's a destroy target attacking creature. And so I just played one copy of it in my sideboard. And I'm like four four or five oh in this uh in this open and the reason I say is because it's I get a future match and I'm like playing against this guy. And um he's playing that deck and his draw seems really slow but in my mind i know what's happening i'm like this guy's got a fifth lane in his hand it's a it's a it's a, uh, cavern. It's a cavern of souls i've been like leaving up mana like for rewind or whatever and he's got a dragon or whatever so you know on turn five he like draws a card turn slams it down he's like dragon five mana you know Thunderball hellcat attack, attack you and i'm like rebuke it and i just like point rebuke at it like, tap three mana point rebuke at it put rebuke my heart. he's like wait hold on what is this card and he like, <laughs> reads it and then he calls a judge over and he's like is this card like legal like what is this right <laughs> can he do this <laughs> and, yeah can he do this and i remember uh, he's not Ruben supposed Brussler to play cards was, that kill my dragon <laughs> yeah yeah he's pull- i remember reuben brusser walks over who was like you know doing coverage for at the time and i had told him ahead of time i was playing this card i'm like look i'm playing this really wacky card right and reuben just comes over like gives me a wink when i get the guy and then i look at him and i give him like the ushka ushka look and he's like and so he stays around because like I knew this was about to happen so like the next turn I do something like attack with like my auger of bolus yeah. or like you know whatever yeah and so like the next turn he does it again he has he has another dragon he's like you know use my mana my dragon's uncountable because i have mana up he's like attack you and i'm like i will cast a Snapcaster mage targeting my rebuke i will rebuke your dragon again and ruben's Re- eyes go into the back of his head and he like walks away and i was like look this card's not good no one else should be doing this but uh ross is fanning himself Right. It's what now. we call a role player <laughs> but in those exact situations it was really really sweet so uh, I took that one a little step further. Or um, let's see. Let me get the last question in here real quick. I have five minutes, so uh, what cards that are no longer good enough for modern would you like to see printed into Pioneer? What cards do you never want to see make it in? I have a card that's an answer for both of these: Lightning Bolt, because like Lightning Bolt almost never gets played in modern anymore. Like everyone just plays on Holy Heat, but like, at the same time, I so don't want to see that card in
1: Pioneer. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah, in I don't. So the card I want to see, I want to see Galvanic Blast. Ooh, I think that would actually be really good. Yeah. I want to see Snapcaster Mage.
0: Cool. I do want to see Snapcaster Mage, yes. I think it would be very good in Pioneer,
1: but not too good. Um, God, I would love that. Yeah. I'm trying to think what... I feel like I had another good answer to this question. I, Thalia used to be an answer to it, but now it is in Pioneer. Is, yeah, I, th- I thought that was
0: like that was our answer back in the day, and it was really good. Oh, um,
1: Celestial Purge. I was, I was looking up cyber cards for my humans deck, and I'm just like, wait... You only have, like, so many slots for removal spells in your sideboard. And I'm like, I want something that can, you know, beat a Kalidus, but I also want instant speed against Grease Fang. And it hit me, I was like, oh, shit, they're both black. Is Celestial Purge legal in Pioneer? And I'm like, you know, go to Scryfall, Celestial Purge, and it's just not. I was so disappointed. I would have put the Celestial Purge in my sideboard so quickly. What about the card Electrolyze? Um, I don't think Electrolyze would be very good.
0: I'm just saying, do you, do you think, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. i like, think of cards that like I used to play in modern that aren't in decks anymore. I've heard people talk about Liliana the Veil, vale, but please, for the love of God, do not put that card into, into Pioneer.
1: Would, would it be the very
0: good? I think so. I think the red black deck would play it and it'd be very good. You just pitch Tenacious Underdogs or, or, uh, Crocs. You just play four of each of those cards. You just play like four Crocs or four Tenacious Underdog. Well, you've already and, or, got
1: Graveyard Trespasser and Fable in the three slot and Bone Crusher. Is Liliana better than any of those cards? Uh, I don't know. I think the deck might change, but yeah, I, I just hmm. maybe maybe the deck changes. I, I just always I associate it with Tarmogoyf, and like you need you need to have that like singular threat.
0: Is that, is that a card that also we need to consider putting into? Uh, honestly,
1: maybe. I think
0: so. I think that card would be fine for Pioneer. Um, you know, like mm. with, there's maybe port- not actually it might dodge too much
1: of the removal. Well, honestly. but I mean, Portable Hole and Fatal Push. It, it would definitely yeah, stretch. And the, and the Phoenix X play Lightning Axe, like. True so okay, i actually
0: i'm in for that yeah i
1: think tarmac is actually not a, not a bad shout there. i
0: think that might be the the actual
1: best answer yeah is so let's let's just take all the cards that we used to play in modern but we can't anymore put them into pioneer and okay, turn so pioneer the got, into 2013 cards, modern right so,
0: banned, <laughs> right so not the cards that got banned but the cards that got banned and i'm you can hear the air quotes here using air quotes tarmac is also
1: much smaller because there's no fetch lands. like right like it was would it even be good I think, I think people would
0: play it. I mean, yeah. it's Like, still, it's a 2-mana
1: like, 3-4 a lot of the time and can get bigger. Well, what
0: deck would it get played in? It's a problem. Like, Mono Green, doesn't want to play it. Like, would you play Jund instead of Red Black? I don't yeah, know if like, mana the mana isn't base. really there, is the it? Mana base. The mana base in the Red Black deck isn't great to begin with, so, like... Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I don't yeah, I don't even know if Goif like, if would be cut.
0: Yeah, you know, we talk about cards that get printed to help the Red Black deck out. Like, just imagine if Blackleaf Cliffs got printed into Pioneer. Like, that deck would actually get well, way I, back.
1: I, I want... Full sets of, do. of fast fastlands and and Hundred percent. We should just have those. But yeah,
0: um, I might answer this question again next week. So maybe we'll highlight this one and bring, and bring it back in and think about it a little more. But I think Termoglife is like overall probably like the best answer that I've that I've seen or heard so far. Maybe, yeah. but Galblast is, path, is the path, coolest answer. Path to Exile is too good, right?
1: Um, honestly, maybe, blue, maybe maybe not. White
0: would the blue white deck be too good at that point?
1: You would upgrade your marches, but it's like not even a clear upgrade because he True. marches versatile and True. i i don't know it seems fine to me
0: yeah that's i think that one's a good a, an interesting one to use too yeah all right well i think that's gonna be it for this week's episode sorry for the abrupt end but i have a meeting in like four minutes that i absolutely can't miss so uh i need to go but thanks for listening to this week's episode ross you were awesome as always i think i've said this the last two episodes i'm pretty positive we get spoilers soon for the new set i think it yeah. starts, we get we get we get a lot of information this week about some stuff i cool. forgot what what so we'll be talking about that or you'll be talking about that with somebody else and then and uh, back on also
1: one thing to note um if you're gonna be in baltimore i will have tokens on me so Mm -hmm. find me
0: yeah absolutely and then uh buy ross a beer always yeah all right well good luck that weekend uh maybe even if like especially if y'all do well maybe even get one of your teammates to do that
1: was already what i was thinking all right cool
0: thanks everybody for listening and we'll see y'all next week